Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Robert Duran Jr. and you're listening to Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Welcome to Beyond the Ropes, a boxing podcast brought to you by Easley Boxing Repeat. The place for the Northwest and boxing news, news, reviews, and interviews. Here's your host, Sean Basso. Welcome to episode 36 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. It's Sean Bastow, your host as always, joined by Cahill Jennings. Cahill, it's been a great weekend for boxing. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you've been doing over the weekend. Did you catch up with most of the action? Yeah, no, I did. I was I was, I was across, the, across the boxing this weekend. Um, big boxing weekends are stuff that you, you want to keep across. And um, we've got good fights in, in Canada. And I think the big, the big one in Leeds... Um, that, that definitely didn't disappoint and it definitely didn't go the way I saw it coming. That was a, a great performance from uh, from Josh Warrington and, and for me he's really announced himself on the world stage now and when you kind of look at his record and he, he's put the work in so he deserves all the kind of success that he got this weekend. Well, before we head in further into the Warrington Selby talk, let's just go over what we've got on today's show. So, as Cahill said there, Josh Warrington versus Lee Selby. We've got Adonis Stevenson versus Badu Jack to discuss the Gary Russell fight. Uh, we've got an interview with Tyrone Nurse, who, would you believe, is actually fighting this Thursday. So, we're going to talk about that. We've got the fights that are coming up over the coming weekend. And we've also got an interview uh, with Haymaker promoted Cody Davis, who was on the undercard of the Hey Bell You Fight a couple of weeks back. We've got the Irish Boxing Updates this week in Boxing History. And then we've got a special interview for you for from the son of a legend in Roberto Duran Jr. That's a really good one to listen to. And then the final section, as always, the news and gossip section. So, where do we start? Well, there's only one real place we can start this week. And he scores it. 115 to 113 in favor of your winner and new IBF featherweight champion of the world, Josh the Leeds Warrior, Louis 
So there you go, Josh Warrington pulling off what was considered an upset over the weekend against Lee Selby. And what a fantastic performance. Cole, you said it at the top of the show, it was really, really good performance. Not a lot of people expected it. And my take on the situation, similar to, to what I was saying on last week's episode, really. If Lee Selby becomes a little disinterested or he can't seem to get out of first, second gear in the fight, he doesn't sort of seem to, to go anywhere. He seems to sort of try and cruise his way through it. And it was quite evident from the off on this one that Warrington was there uh, he was putting the pressure on straight away it was very reminiscent of Ricky Hatton versus Costa Zoo back in 2005 the way Warrington was just putting the pressure on and he was beating Selby to the jab and that's what not a lot of people expected a lot of people were expecting Selby to, to use his advantages to box at range and, and make this fight an easy fight for himself and it wasn't to be and he got the two cuts over both eyes there was a lot of complaining in that fight from Selby and a lot of people on social media have got mixed views about it in terms of the fact that some people feel there are a lot of illegal shots going on from Josh Warrington, uh, a lot of rabbit punches, you know, a lot of the stuff that roughhouse tactics, basically, you know, the type of things that Hatton used to use and, and did use in his fight with Costa Zhu. And a lot of people were sort of slating that. And I think that was more the guys that really wanted Selby to win that were doing that. But in terms of the, the game plan from Josh Warrington, it was executed perfectly. And we knew what to expect from him. We knew this is the type of tactics he needed. And I'm surprised that the Selby camp didn't have any other game plan for this because surely, looking at his last few fights, they knew this is the way he was going to come into this fight, Warrington. And they didn't seem to have any other backup plan for for, for the way Selby could perform. Selby performed substandard and it makes you sort of question, for me, how, how, how dead has he been at this weight for a while? Because this was one of the things coming out afterwards was, oh, I'm a bit dead at the weight, I need to move up. And he said that himself in, in an interview following the fight and it makes you wonder you know kind of how long has he been dead at the weight has he been dead for quite a while and is that's what is leading to these substandard performances or is it just that when he gets put in the trenches like he did has he just not got the heart that we thought he had Carl I'm going to bring it over to you now and, and get your take on this fight because it was it was a really good fight I was texting you on the Saturday night while I was watching it saying to you I wasn't expecting this to happen but it is a really good fight that was, it was a great fight but it was I didn't see that coming at all I think Selby I, I don't think he ever got set it was all it, it kind of seemed as Warrington he, he knew exactly what he had to do to get to Selby and it's almost a if Selby kind of goes well he's not going to get to me I think the crowd played a factor I think on the night it was all geared towards Josh Warrington winning the world title to hit the entrance the crowd in, in his home stadium but you thought Selby might want to kind of really upset the app curtain and I think Warrington went in there dirty tactics some would call it but it, it, that's what you need to do in certain fights don't let a fighter like Selby kind of get to get comfortable where you can kind of uh, you can pick his jab you can hit and move and that kind of stuff so he got out hustled in a couple of ways he kind of maybe Warrington proved to me certainly that uh, um, he's not a one-trick pony he can get in there and he, he doesn't just become he's not just a brawler and he's just going to chase you down and just keep swinging he, he's, he's a great boxer as well so it, the only thing that might go against Warrington pushing on from this is the, his lack of power because those 12 round fights as, as as exciting as they are they're very wearing on you so it'd be interesting to see where both go but the whole night the whole occasion and those kind of nights are what Warrington deserves because, because when you look through he's done it the hard way he's won the Commonwealth British European he's had the international titles and it was 
was kind of almost stagnating as if was this world title shot going to happen for him was this kind of was he just going to fall by the wayside was was this too much of a step up but he proved it to everyone for me he was the underdog I went with Selby I thought Selby would, would outsmart him and just be the boxing IQ would have been too much for, for Warrington but, but that wasn't the case at all and I'm excited to see what happens next with Warrington I'm even more excited to see what happens with Selby will he move up he said he was dead at the weight some of those could be empty excuses when you kind of say yeah, you just didn't turn up on the night or you were beaten by the better fighter so those kind of weight things weight issues always seem to come out from certain fighters after after losing kind of after losing a fight but it was a huge a huge occasion and one of them that I'd love to see more nights of boxing in Leeds and Ellen Road and I think Josh Warrington can get bigger crowds there because people would see, if they look back at his story it, it, it's a brilliant story and he's come he's, he's had it the hard way he had to leave Matchroom where people would say he has more exposure and he could have fought on those cards but he went to Frank Warren and Frank Warren promised him that he'd get him a world title at Ellen Road and he delivered and on Saturday night Josh Warrington delivered and it, it was great to see that kind of that plans the way it was all set out and you've heard it from Warrington he wanted it at Ellen Road he got it at Ellen Road and just from a fan point of view it, it, it's great to see a boxer do it in front of his home fans and do it in, in, in a team sports stadium it, it was a great night and it was a great fight yeah it certainly was and now we really want to sort of talk about where the careers both go because it was quite evident after the fight that we were looking at a potential fight over at Windsor Park between Cal Frampton and Josh Warrington which I think could be an absolute barnstormer of a fight because none of these two fighters would take a backward step if that was to ever happen that was a fight that you know kind of wet the appetite of a lot of pundits a lot of people at the ringside and, and obviously Frampton was there and you know he said it himself he, he'd take the fight and Josh obviously has got the respect for Frampton you know from watching him grow into his career so I think that'd be a fight that I think a lot of people would want to see and it would do really well in terms of numbers because if it was at Leeds United's football ground it'd do very well if it was over at Windsor Park it would do very well and it sounds like the Warrington camp would be happy to go to Windsor Park to, to have this fight and you know why not why not do it because it'd be a fantastic fight especially for boxing it'd be a fight that nobody would want to miss in terms of it's an all action style kind of fight and that's what a lot of what that's what brings a lot of the casual audience in as well because as we know a lot of the casual audience want to see a barn burning they want to see this tear up and that is got tear up written all over it but moving on to Selby moving on to where Selby goes they are talking about moving up in weight he said it on his own social media so if he moves up a weight he's going to super featherweight and where, where, where would you see his career going at super featherweight because for me he, he, you know if he's not been able to show the the, the the sort of the heart and desire to when he's needed it what what, what else is he going to do up at a further weight is he you know is he going to be able to sustain more punching power is he going to be able to box the same way is, is he is he just, is this going to sort of I don't want to say it's going to ruin him because it's a bit of a, a bold statement to make but is this going to be sort of where we you know we possibly see him fall off a little bit he's got the, he's got the talent to be a world champion for a long time and he just didn't use it he didn't get into his rhythm he didn't get into his game plan on Saturday night and him moving up to another weight you've got the likes of Giovanni Davis up at super featherweight you know you look how well he's doing could he have the same effect as Warrington had on Selby if they fought you know you've got a lot of good fighters up at the super featherweight division for Selby and I, I do feel that a move up in weight if that's what they're saying is needed then you know, fair play, that, let him do it and let him see where it goes. But my initial gut reaction is, 
he's going to find it pretty difficult up at super featherweight I think he would have an easier time in the division he's in at the moment but if he's struggling to make the weight then you know you need to get up there there was actually a lot of rumours of him struggling to make the weight I did read a, a few people coming out on social media saying he was struggling to make the weight on, on weighing day so he made it eventually but it could be it could be the sign that he does need to move up and he, he didn't feel as, as good as he normally does and obviously you said it there it could just be an empty excuse because of the loss or it could just be a genuine situation where he's struggling to make the weight and he's, he's not giving him the engine and it's not giving him what he needs to perform at the highest level and now he's kind of been found out by a fighter that wouldn't let go and wouldn't let off on the pressure and the previous fighters that he's fought prior to Josh Warrington in the last sort of two or three fights yeah, you know, it was easy fights for him. He just cruised his way through him. They didn't have the same tenacity as Josh Warrington did in this fight. So maybe he's kind of got away with it for a couple of them defences and, and he's come up against somebody that ain't going to back down, that is not, he doesn't give a crap about respect or game plan. He's just going to get in there and fight the fight he wants to fight. But Lisa will be up at super featherweight. Do you feel it, it would be a good move for him if he is dead at the weight? And do you feel he has a chance at becoming a world champion again? Um, up at Super Feather, I think it's going to be very tough for him with the likes of Javante Davis. You have Mikado up there, you have Perschelt. And those kind of guys, they are very heavy hitters. And I'm not saying that Selby, he's not past it by any means, but he's kind of in a point in his career now where does he really want to be going out. Like he would, they're not, I don't know if Frank Warren's going to put all his chips behind Lee Selby and see if he's going to, uh, going to bring those big fights like Javante Davis. He probably has, he has a work good, good relationship with getting Javante Davis over to the UK. So who knows? But I think, Lee Selby's in a kind of he's in limbo a little bit now who knows if Frank Warren because Frank Warren has come out and saying Josh Warrington was a boy he knew that he was going to win he said I told you in in a lot of interviews so you don't know if Lee Selby is going to kind of be out on his own now whether he's maybe going back to matchroom something like that and the big fights up there I think he'd have to have a couple of fights at Super Fenner to see if he's able for one of the champions and who knows with the, he has bad cuts there so we might not see him out until maybe come autumn at this stage so I don't know if he'll get an, I think he'll get another world title shot I think Lee Selby is still a very good fighter and he was the one that I backed and I'm not trying to kind of write him off now but the kind of performance that I seen the other night from Warrington and then just the kind of almost the lack of as you said a game plan almost it was kind of we just we just do what we always do but that's not going to work against guys like Warrington who show the heart and desire when it really needs to be and when it kind of gets to put on Selby I think he can be found wanting I think he might lose interest and maybe the opponents he's been in with haven't been enough to kind of get drag him into the trenches and kind of be like see what he has see what kind of bottle he has when it comes to the end but it was a great 12 round fight and it's going to take a lot out of him but I think if he's dead at the weight it's only one option he has to move up to super feather but he is going to struggle against the champions up there I think Davis Mercado those kind of guys Lomachenko was in that division so who knows those kind of things he's not a huge name either in over in the States so he may struggle it depends who gets behind him now and if they want to put the money into getting those fights over here for Selby or maybe if Selby is willing to travel to the United States but it's going to be it's going to be tough for him but uh, he needs to change something I think if he if he thinks to move up in open up weight is what is is the change that's needed then then all the best to him but uh, Warrington the other night really showed the kind of the flaws that can be in Selby his game and it was a disappointing um, performance and I think Lee Selby might want to might want to look at himself and I think if, if a move up is, is what's needed then maybe that's what he should do but he is going to I think he's going to find it tough with the with the Caliber champions up there and if it is to become a world champion again it, he, I think he's going to find it hard But going on to the rest of the card there were two other notable fights that really stood out on the whole show for me now I appreciate some of them wasn't televised so unless you was there to watch them you couldn't really say whether there were any further 
great fights on the card. But from the ones that I watched, uh, I would normally be there. But for one reason or another, I can never seem to get accreditation for a Warren show. But I am working on that. So hopefully I will get to these uh, big Warren events in the future. But two other notable fights on that card that really stood out for me was Nicola Adams' performance. I want to talk about that first because there was a bit of controversy in it, but from the off, she looked absolutely punch perfect in this fight. And this is the second full fight that I've watched of hers. I'd seen highlights of her other two fights, but this was... She just looked on fire. She looked... She she couldn't put a foot wrong or a punch wrong in this fight. And what surprised me is that they build the opponent... Uh, Delvale Frias as a, a former three-time world title challenger. You wouldn't have thought that come fight night. You would not have thought that at all. You would have thought she is an Eastern European, um, not stereotyping her, of course, but she, you just kind of think, oh, she's just another one of these fighters who's just come over here just to make Lickler Adams look good. But she was actually a three-time world title challenger and she she was made to look like a journeywoman on Saturday night. And the controversial part of it was that it was 10 two-minute rounds, but actually that round, I think it was something like two minutes and 44 or 45 seconds. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. The timekeeper obviously got it a little bit wrong on the night, but I think if... Even if they would have got the two minutes and they would have had a minute break and then back to the second round, I think it would have been stopped early in the second round anyway. I think her performance was was fantastic. She was on fire, punch perfect. Some of the shots looked absolutely brutal. Some of the she was the way she switched from head to body was fantastic, and she looks like somebody who's going to become a world champion very quickly. And they're going to find it hard to match her in fights if they want to try and put her in learning fights, which I don't think. It, 35 years old really that is what she's looking for I think she she will be sort of pushed on quite quickly like Katie Taylor was and she will be in a world title fight within the next 12 months and we hopefully will be looking at another female world champion from across these shores Carl what did you make of that performance for, for me it was punch perfect what about you yeah, it's Nicola Adams is, is such an exciting female fighter to watch. She's just an, ex, an exciting fighter to watch. And the other night, yeah, we got to see a first round drag on, what, nearly a minute longer than we thought it would. But I think it was always going that way. Um, Frias kind of, you could have given her the whole night. I think Nicola Adams could have had one hand high behind her back. She just punched perfect. And it's good to see these um, the fighters come through the Olympics who, who do have the amateur record. And it kind of stands to them in the pro game because they don't need the kind of learning fights. I think you could put Nicola Adams in a, in a world title fight and she'd probably win it at at this stage and that's no slight on any of the female um, world champions that are out there at the moment just the, the likes of Katie Taylor Clarissa Shields Nicola Adams they're that good and the guy, the, the females that they're in with don't have the amateur background don't have the experience that these girls have so I think you could probably push her maybe in the next two fights you could probably challenge for a world title we've seen Katie Taylor she has two world titles now she's challenging for I think it's a WBO in her, in her next out and hopefully in July so it's exciting times for Nicola Adams and I think if she can get the right fights and if Frank Warren can, can bring the right fights here she's she's only going to excite because she she has such a good such a good style so exciting to watch and she says that she could be the the female Lamachenko so that's someone you want to watch because the, the the male Lamachenko is so good to watch too so I think Nick Adams is one to keep an eye on hopefully to see her out again soon because it, it's good to see the, the female fighters active and on, on these big shows yeah no it is and it was really good to see Nicola Adams out again and I really I really hope she gets a world title shot very soon because like you just said there I think you hit the nail on the head when you said I think if you would have threw in a world title shot straight away I, I think she would have won it I think because she's got a, such a great amateur background and as you've mentioned Katie Taylor's amateur background the way she's transitioned to the pro game 
it's it's just been phenomenal, really. And you know, if she picks up a third world title, Katie Taylor, in, in such a short space of time, then it will just it will just add more weight to to sort of the amateur backgrounds of of these fighters coming through, and you know how important it is for a lot of fighters to to get that amateur background to be able to walk into the pro game a little bit later on than what you would normally start at, but then just to be able to be at that level straight away to to not have to essentially fight and pay for opponents to come over to to make your record look a little bit better to be able to then fight bigger fights later on down the line you know it takes some of these young lads three four years padding the records to 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 be able to get them big fights and the big following what they need to be able to then not have to pay for their opponents and in in this situation here you've got a lack of depth in the women's division so you're going to have to throw them in sooner or later because and well it's sooner rather than later because there's nobody for them to fight because the the depth of the division is quite lacklustre at the moment and that is only going to grow with time and as more female boxers come through and the likes of Katie Taylor the likes of Nicola Adams Savannah Marshall the other week Chantal Cameron all them names floating around you know they're all going to start to inspire more and more female fighters coming through and you know in the next 10 years we're going to see a a big crop of them coming through I reckon which will be fantastic for the sport and fantastic for female boxing but moving on then to another fight that really took my eye over the weekend was Darren Tetley and Mason Cartwright and that was a fantastic fight as well that was one of the best fights on the card other than the main fight that really took brought my attention because at the time I, I was sat editing videos from the public workout that I was at during the Saturday and I had it on the telly and I was watching it and I, I was trying to flick in between doing two things and then I just kind of stopped what I was doing to watch this fight because it started out really well you know Mason Cartwright was the one that came out the aggressor in the fight he, he seemed to control the fight he, he started to hurt Darren Tetley and then all of a sudden the fight just completely flipped on his head and it was one punch that Darren Tetley had landed that really hurt Mason Cartwright and, and when he put him down when Tetley put Cartwright down that was it that was the fight that ch- it completely changed at this point it completely switched over from, from being Cartwright in control to Tetley in control and it was kind of a little bit of a beginning of the end sort of situation for Mason Cartwright. Now, the injury that he suffered was was quite horrific to see at the time because I, I, I seen it getting stopped and I thought, oh, he's, you know, he's, he's got a cut on his eye and he's got a little bit of a blood on his mouth, but it's when the camera panned over and you can literally just see half of his lip flopping around and you're like, what the hell is going, what the hell is that? And then you realise how severe the injury actually is and, you know, the judge, you know, the referee and the doctor's making the complete right call to stop that fight, even though Cartwright would have gone on he would have ended up losing half of his lip so it was the right decision to make but Darren Tetley has got a fantastic amateur career as well and he's not really been well known on the circuit in terms of the sort of wider audience of boxing because he's just been sort of steady steadily progressing along into his career and this is a real big stage for him and he's, he's performed really well on this big stage for me and you know now people are going to start to stand up and take notice of, of both fighters really not just Tetley but Cartwright as well because he will definitely be back and he looks another fighter to, to be reckoned with we're never really going to know how that fight would have ended should it have not been stopped on the injury but both fighters look like great fighters and definitely going to be in big fights you know later on down the line for both of them. really good fight what did you make of that one Cole because again like I was saying earlier these two fighters are, are sort of they are well known on, on the sort of maybe the northwest scene but outside of that there's not as many people unless you're in the boxing game that really know of them yeah I'd, I'd like this fight and I think if, if, if the injury to Cartwright isn't too bad and it looks it, it was one that I hadn't seen the injury until I seen I saw the injury in the fight but I didn't see how bad it really was until I seen Cartwright's um, Twitter video that he put up and he's 
was pushing his tongue against it and I was nearly getting sick looking at it because it's, <laughs> it's a really bad injury but it's it's a good it's it's one that I'd like to see again hopefully the injuries aren't too bad and it was it was a great fight it was one that I think people want to see again and um, Teddy getting the, the WBO the, the European version of the WBO title so th- that's a big title for Tetley and will he be willing to give maybe Cartwright another chance but a, li- a kind of little barnstormer now that I think when people will have eyes on Cartwright now because of the performance but it's it's interesting this is probably true but the injury as well people don't know who that is that's probably got more retweets and likes and, and things on Facebook and shares and than, than most of what he's probably done so those kind of things always try to draw eyes on the fires and it, it looks like it's healed up well I see in the picture where the, the stitches are the stitches look like um, they've, they've held a lip held a lip together so it's going to be pushing on for Tetley will he want to give Cartwright a chance who knows but I'd, li- I'd like to see that fight again I'd like to see him run that back and, and who knows what, what we what we would have gotten the final three or the final three rounds so hopefully hopefully do we do get a chance to see that again maybe pushed up further on the cards to other people because people will advise him now because it was such a it was such a good fight and the injury is something that that's boxing for you if you get a bad injury or a bad cut people are going to share it people want to see it. it's gruesome and then you learn more about the fighter so people think boxing's a gruesome sport after seeing that and it is gruesome those kind of injuries do happen so hopefully Cartwright is okay and hopefully the injury isn't one that's going to last or give him any trouble now going going forward it is at a kind of part of his lip where if he does get a it does get a glove on it it could tear again but here's hoping it doesn't and hopefully he can get back into the ring soon enough but congratulations to Tetley because he's got a he's got a good title behind him now and Frank Warren when a WBO one of his fighters have a WBO um, European title he usually gets behind him so hopefully he does now and he gets the promotion he deserves well the rest of the card was quite stacked and as I was saying earlier there was a lot of fights that you wouldn't have been able to get to see unless he was actually at Leeds United so we had the likes of Leon Woodstock O'Hara Davis Mark Heffron Danny Wright Willie Hutchinson Jack Bateson all picking up victories on that particular card uh, interesting that Mark Heffron got that victory in, in a seemingly tune-up fight he now goes on to fight on the undercard of Tyson Fury's comeback fight uh, in a three weeks time against Andrew Robinson which is, is is a big fight and I can't remember off the top of my head which professional title it's for but it, it is for a title which uh, is sort of meaningful from what I recall for, for rankings for sure I know that and that's that's good for him O'Hara Davis did see a couple of clips and he looked pretty decent Leon Woodstock another fighter domestically who's, who's doing pretty good and then you've got local guys like Danny Wright you had uh, Willie Hutchinson who's changed from Haymaker promotions and then you had local lad Jack Bateson who's come through the Sky Scholarship from what I can remember they all picked up victories on the card and it was quite a stacked card and a lot of people were saying it was a poor show I don't know what you felt about the rest of the show Cole, but I, I heard a lot of um, well I've seen a lot of tweets on Twitter mostly uh, the, the undercard was crap and it was poor and it was this and it was that what what did you make of the, the, the show that you watched did you feel that was a justified comment or do you, do you feel that maybe people are just focusing more on the negatives than the positives of this show I think some people like complaining you're not going to guess 50-50 fights the whole way down through the card there is fighters you have to learn they are going to be put in with less of opposition and people it, it's sad to say have to get used to that so it, it, it's kind of what you like Some people, you could sit down and watch Tetley and Cartwright and you, you might not enjoy it but you wouldn't enjoy boxing and if you didn't so it, it's kind of what you like it, I think certain people want you know, first round knockouts and stuff like that and, and tear them out drag them out you're not going to get that on the undercard 
card. Like Bateson would have been in there in a learning fight, and Harry Davis is only just coming back. So they weren't going to be overmatched. They're not going to be in with people who are going to, I'm not going to say not give them trouble, but aren't going to be, it's not a 50 50. So it's what people kind of get a bit kind of, oh, well, this is just an overmatch fight. I don't really need to watch it. But it's part of the boxing. That's Anthony Joshua wasn't always in the, in the likes of a Klitschko when he started out. So I think people just have to get used to it. And like, I, I enjoy the card, but I enjoy, like, I enjoy seeing fighters. All fights are different for me. So once the main event delivers, the whole the whole card kind of is, is, is thought of as, as a good card. So I think when people look back on Nathan Cleverly and Tony Bellew too, that's something that definitely, definitely, definitely did not deliver. So maybe you could have some gripes then, but I don't think the other night was one. It wasn't a night where you could have any kind of issues with it. Well, just going back to the uh, Mark Efron story, uh, he's actually fighting Andrew Robinson. He's for the WBC International Middleweight Championship. So it's essentially a rankings belt for the WBC, and this is perfect for him. We can talk about that in a couple of weeks' time because we'll obviously be talking about the Fury fight and that card. So moving on then, and going over to Canada, and looking at the big fight over in Canada, which we was excited about discussing and excited to see what happened in it, Adonis Stevenson and Badu Jack, they battled out to a draw, which surprised me a lot, because we were saying last week about Adonis Stevenson, and he'd had five fights in, what, three years, and he wasn't very active, he's a 40-year-old man, would he Would he slow down in this fight, would he struggle in the back end of the fight, and to be fair, I don't think he, I don't think he did, I think it was a pretty good fight between the two of them, and I think Badu Jack was unlucky not to pick up the victory here, and two of the judges had a draw, and one of them had it to Badu Jack. I think he was slightly unlucky. I felt he'd nicked it by one or maybe two rounds tops, and I felt like he should have been walking away the new WBC light heavyweight champion on Saturday night, but it was in Canada. It sort of favoured towards Donna Stevenson, who, who sort of bases himself from there, and I'm, I'm going to have a better gripe about it. I'm going to say that, yeah, this should be a rematch, and I would expect a Badu Jack win if this was to happen again, but it was a very decent fight, to be fair. I wasn't expecting what we got, again, like the Selby Warrington one, I wasn't expecting what we got in that, I wasn't expecting what we got in this one as well, and it, it started the same way I expected it to, and I think we both discussed this, about Stevenson sort of starting early, and Badu Jack warming into the fight as the fight went along, and it was, it was, it was an interesting fight, and really now for me I want to see Badu Jack and Adana Stevenson again but I'm a bit worried that what's going to happen is they're going to go separate routes and we're going to end up seeing maybe Stevenson finally facing off with Kovalev and you know you've got the likes of Dimitri Bivol in there Badu Jack Bivol I'd like to see that that'd be a cracking fight but it's just it's just where this is going to go now and with there being a lot of talk of a third world boxing super series tournament and the light heavyweight division being one of the rumoured ones that would be fantastic for this division if that was to be the division that the third World Boxing Super Series Ali Trophy would be in because it really would hopefully make all these champions and all these fighters fight each other and there'd be no excuses to avoid each other but what did you make of the the, the decision for a draw and do you feel that Badu Jack won this fight slightly or do you feel the draw was a justified decision and what did you think of Stevenson's performance? Well Stevenson surprised me um, I didn't think it was a draw I think maybe Jack did get it um, I think he was just he had the cleaner work towards the end and, and I I liked I liked the fight. It's one that I I want to see the rematch, and I hope we do get to see the rematch. Uh, I don't know if we are. I think there's a lot of options for Stevenson, but there's also a lot of options for Jack, and this is always one that we might get down the line again. So I'd like to see it next. I don't think we are. I think there's 
the likes of Bivol, there's the likes of uh, Beterbiev, there's Kovalev. So it's what Stevens, Stevenson didn't disgrace himself the other night. It shows that he still has it at 40. Maybe the power, they always say that's the last thing to go, but Jack showed he could live with the power and that was the thing that I thought if if the, if Stevenson could catch Jack, that was the one that he might get him. But he, he showed he could live with the power and he wasn't overawed by it. He wasn't kind of, he wasn't kind of shying away from where he's going, I'm not, I don't want to get hit with any more of these big shots and I'm going to keep, make sure that I can keep out of distance of them. So maybe they, maybe they'll run it back um, I, I'm not a huge fan of Stevenson but he, he showed me something I didn't think he'd have it last night I think that he was picking picking opponents recently and where that kind of would make him look still like a, a, a decent champion so hopefully a, the, the World Boxing Super Series can get a hold of this division and maybe breed some life into it because there's a, there's a lot of good names in there with the likes of Bivol, Perturbiev there's, there's Jack Stevenson Kovalev I'd love to see the Kovalev-Stevenson fight that would be if Stevenson wanted to bow out on that one that would be he'd go up in my books in that est- estimation but hopefully the World Boxing Super Series can get a hold of this division because not a lot of people knew about that fight going on the other night and that, that's a good division and there's some good fighters in it and they need kind of they need a kind of injection like the Cruiserweight division I say it all the time that it's it's amazing what the World Boxing Super Series has done for the Cruiserweight division and I think it could do wonders with the light heavyweight division too with the names like Jack, Stevenson and Kovalev all in it so it has the names it just needs the kind of structure to get these fights made and the World Boxing Super Series is probably the perfect way for that to happen What did you make of um, Ian John Lewis taking a full on Badu Jack left hook to the whiskers that was entertaining that 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 I love that I really did and you know it made me laugh because it, a lot of people on social media loved it too and <laughs> so many quotes about him having a better chin than Amir Khan and having a better chin than most pros but it must have got retweeted and reshared across social media so many times it was uh, hilarious but I tell you what he took it well didn't he and John Lewis yeah some referees seems to take a shot and then you'll see other videos where the ref takes a shot and he's out he's out like Amir Khan would be so Ian John Lewis can have the kind of respect that people say that yeah you can take a shot from the likes of Badu Jack so I think a lot of people won't be wanting to mess with Ian John Lewis anymore <laughs> yeah well let's move on over to the same side of the world and go down to America where Gary Russell Jr. faced off against Joseph Diaz and Gary Russell Jr. picked up the unanimous decision uh, he continued his impressive comeback streak and he looked like he's essentially put this loss to Lomachenko completely to bed I know he's had a few fights after Lomachenko but that, that, that loss to Lomachenko was always going to be something that people were going to attach to him because he'd had such a great career up until that point and he looked to me like that has been completely put to bed and that he looked the way he did prior to the Lomachenko loss he looked as good he looked like he could beat practically anybody in that division and Joseph Diaz with all credit to him came in as an unknown quantity and whilst we may have been expecting an unknown upset like we've seen in weeks gone by it wasn't to be on this night Joseph Diaz gave a fantastic account of himself and I I do feel that he has got a future in this division but he's come up against a completely better fighter at this point and maybe for Diaz now he he can go away he can look at the mistakes he's made in this fight come back and potentially be a world champion I mean there's that many versions of world titles in divisions these days that there's nothing stopping him becoming uh, a champion in this division with a different governing body that's for sure for Gary Russell Jr now he moves on and for me I want to see him face Leo Santa Cruz we've got Santa Cruz and Mares obviously coming up in the future but I'd like to see Santa Cruz and Russell Jr. now that is the fight for that particular division that I think everybody wants to see and then you've also got a potential lineup here where if Warrington Josh Warrington fights Cal Frampton in the future you never know we might see sort of like a semi-final essentially like a mini tournament where if Gary Russell Jr. faces Santa Cruz the winner of that could face Frampton or Warrington that that would make the division exciting if, if, if that were the types to happen but we know how boxing goes sometimes and we know that this 
this might not always pan out the way we would like it to pan out and we could see Gary Russell Jr. and Leo Santa Cruz never face off but it's a fight and it's the only direction for me where I sh- I want to see Gary Russell Jr. go now. Uh, what about you then Cahal about Gary Russell Jr. Uh, and Joseph Diaz of course what did you make of both of their performances and where do you see both of the futures going from this fight? I thought it was a good performance for Gary Russell Jr. He wasn't uh, too impressive himself he said he didn't want to go to 12 rounds so he says he either wants to unify or he wants to move up so it's kind of it's kind of strange to say that after after getting a win like that so who, who knows what's going to happen with Russell Jr. I think I'd love to see him face Santa Cruz the Santa Cruz um, and Mares that, that rematch doesn't make a whole pile of sense to me so I think Santa Cruz Russell makes all the sense in the world and it, and it's a huge fight so I'd like I'd like to see that happen I'm surprised I, I was pleasantly surprised by Diaz and I wouldn't be I think Russ, Gary Russell Jr. was kind of saying that he, sh- he should have done better and he should have stopped him and things like that but in with the operator that Joe, Joseph Diaz proved himself to be I think it's, it was a good performance and, it, and it's good to get a win over the likes of that so it's still his only loss is still Lomachenko and it, that, that's no kind of that's no slight on anyone I think at the moment when you see Lomachenko I think he's going to be pound for pound number one in a, in a couple of years maybe in the next 18 months who knows but here end of this year with the way he's fighting at the moment he's probably the most exciting most exciting fighter in the world so Kerry Russell Jr where he goes next I think he's going to have to wait to see what happens with the Santa Cruz fight but he says he wants to either move up or unify so I think it might be what what, what comes to him first if the option comes to, to move up and maybe hit challenge for a world title or maybe if one of the big fights that he wants uh, in his own division come up so I think he's interested in, in what's coming next and I'd love to see the Santa Cruz fight and I wouldn't hate the, the, the idea of Warrington or Frampton facing off to face the winner of that fight and I think everyone wants to see the Frampton Santa Cruz fight but I wouldn't hate any of those four guys kind of mixing it up and trading fights I think I think that would be really exciting Yeah it totally would and, and that's what I hope happens for, for that particular division Well let's move on then let's go to the next part of the show and just before we move in to the action going on this coming week slash weekend uh, we've actually managed to get an interview with one of the fighters competing this week and it's with Tyro Nurse as he's flew out to Australia to face Jack Brubaker over in Sydney which is a fight which has gone well under the radar for sure doesn't seem to be televised anywhere other than uh, the Australian networks at the moment so it was good to catch up with Tyrone today and find out how camp's been going why it's kind of flew under the radar what's been going on and what's going to be going on for Tyrone Nurse's future so I'm going to stick that interview on for you now and then we'll come back to you and then we'll discuss Tyrone Nurse's next fight so Tyrone thanks for speaking to us just really want to know how things are going over there now you've set up over there for the fight on Thursday yeah, everything's great. I mean, we've already come over here. We've done all the hard work uh, back home. So a lot of the stuff over here is just uh, tinkering around with a few bits and, you know, keeping sharp and just getting the last bit of weight off, you know. But obviously, it's um, another fight. It's a new fight, a new weight up at welterweight the first time. So, you know, that extra seven pounds is going to give us a bit of uh, yeah, leeway and a bit bit less stress in terms of, you know, taking the last pounds off. And, you know, the first thing we did when we got here is find a gym. We were down at Bondi Boxing Gym. Great gym. You know, we've got, like, Saki Obika and then I've trained here. It's cool, and they've got a couple of kids who are in, in life fight for what tiles, mate. The, the gym's great, the heat, there's no egos, it's just a buzz in there, and you, know, you feel at home with all the guys here, so it's great. And this is your first fight since the, the loss to Jack Catterall. Um, has it been a good couple of sort of months you know, out of the full-time gym, or have you still been ticking over in between? Um, I probably had a good few weeks out, obviously, after the fight. Um, during through most of December, bought an house just bought, bought on my second house just before Christmas. We've been like five days before Christmas, but um, literally, 
literally after probably Christmas Day, I had about four or five weeks of just illness after illness. I, won, I think I had three different antibiotics, tonsillitis, I had everything you could think of, man flu, bird flu, <laughs> job lot. Um, but, you know, after that, after after we got off the antibiotics, I was back in the gym sort of mid, mid-January. And, you know, I just been training, training. Obviously, I have to spend a few weeks to get over things properly because body's not, not well at all, is it, after all that sort of faffing about. But, you know, since then, we've been in the gym just staying active. Getting ready, getting ready for like in the next four o'clock. And your opponent is uh, Jack Brubaker. How much do you know about him and, and and obviously his career so far? Um, me personally, I know his name. Um, I know his record. I think, and I know, and I lost in the last fight for Commonwealth title, but in a fight that I think most of most people had him winning they got stopped on that box for a really 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 bad cut so um, other than that I, I don't know I'm not I've not tried to find out I've not looked him up or I'll just leave that to everyone else you know if there's any footage I've looked at it no, I don't need to look at it and is um, I did see like a poster advertised for the fight is there some sort of title on the line here or some sort of professional title that's up for grabs um, final eliminator for the Commonwealth. Right, and it's, it's obviously up at welterweight, like you said, you've had a change of weight, so um, if you get this yeah. victory, you essentially be fighting, you know, the Commonwealth champion. Yeah, that's it, so the winner of this is fighting the winner of uh, Josh Kelly and um, Chris George, I mean, and, and that's what everything says on paper, you know, whoever wins the, the Commonwealth title fight and the final eliminator, so, yeah. And now you've moved up away, are your ambitions to sort of capture maybe the Commonwealth, and would you look to try and get the British at welterweight and become a two-time two-weight British champion as well yeah yeah that'd be great to you know go on the British obviously uh, Bradley's he, I think I don't think he's relinquished it I think he was going to give it up if he lost it. I mean if he won the European but obviously that didn't happen for him unfortunately and I'd imagine he's probably going to keep hold of it because obviously he needs them sort of things with bad mentors but you know whichever avenue we go down whichever one we feel is the best avenue or whichever one opens up for us really and you know I'm not I'm not shy to fight anyone never turn the fight down I'll show up and fight anyone if you give me the right notice and um, yeah I'm just excited to get back in the mix really and this is I mean, this was probably the ideal way. You know, we could have done a six rounder, you know, or something, but, you know, I jumped straight back in a 12 round and a final limit for the Commonwealth belt. Well, away, you know, you jumped three steps forward from where you could have possibly been starting. So, yeah, you could to it. And oh, you were saying a little bit earlier there, obviously, this is like you've come over, you know, on the final week and, you know, you've done most of the work in the gym over over here, but how do you, you know, adapt and, and acclimatise yourself in, in a short space of time to, you know, like the time differences? Because there's like an eight hour time difference, isn't there, over there? Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, to be honest, I think the way our flights planned out were perfect because we flew at night from Manchester, so we got to Dubai. So we were like early morning, like going midnight in Dubai when we got to Dubai, so we slept for Dubai, spent a couple of hours away in the flight waiting for the next flight in Dubai which was only a three hour wait and then it was like 14 hours didn't uh, after that so we got plenty of sleep on that flight you know in and out of sleep a decent couple of hours here then a couple of hours wait a couple of hours of sleep and we landed in Sydney early morning about like 10 to 7 or something about the time we got our bags and everything and done what we needed to do at the airport and it was time to end the taxi to go where we needed to go you know we were already sort of in the routine of the day because we'd slept so much through the flight the flight beforehand rather than you know, sleeping on a flight and then landing at six o'clock at night you know and then trying to sleep straight away we didn't have to do that so we spent the day awake you know, a bit tired you know a bit yeah. ropey and whatever and then just kind of straight into routine back and then had sleeping at night time but soon it, I think the flight uh, really did help with that you know the whole climatising you know and I don't think it took us a long, as long to get over the issue you know with the jet lagging and such as we could have done if you know like I said we landed at seven at night or something 
And it's also good that you, you know, you're not afraid to travel and, and you've gone all the way over to Australia to take this opportunity uh, to potentially, you know, become the mandatory for the Commonwealth title, which he said is going to be uh, contested between uh, Chris George and Josh Kelly in a few weeks' time. So you'll obviously, after this fight, you know, should you be successful and, and get through this, you'll have a very close eye on that and then obviously be looking at what's next for, for yourself. Um, but also, going back to what we were saying a little bit earlier as well, I've not seen it picked up anywhere on the UK networks yet and we've just been talking about it before we came on that it's actually been streamed on Epic Centre TV which is their sort of Australian streaming service is that right? Yeah it is yeah so yeah, every- send me links now. they're going to stream it, stream it live you know I'll, I'll have all links which I'll be posting out on social media and such but yeah they're, they're, they're going ahead with it all and I think the other day when we did the sort of the TV work I think they said they might be trying to have, have the word with Frank about getting it on British television but I don't know where that's got to you know it's not anything I saw or do is it I'm going to pull out the works so I'll just leave them to it yeah well it's going to be on uh, an Australia live streaming service so I'm pretty sure social the wonders of social media people will get it shared around and you know everybody will be to catch you so we're looking at a sort of like midday-ish uh, on Thursday over in the UK we'll be able to catch your fight yeah I'd imagine so I mean I don't know exactly what time I'm on if it's 9, 10 but I mean whatever time I'm on just minus your 8 hours and that sort of time you're looking at it could be as early as 12 it could be as late as 2 you know, if I had to guess but you know somewhere between them times I guess and this this fight of yours it seems to have sort of flew under the radar a little bit and you, you've got I'm assuming you've got some sort of support there with you in terms of support and sponsorships that you've got at the moment would you like to give any of them a bit of a shout out on the interview just to sort of tell them thanks for this you know for the support for this fight yeah yeah so um, obviously I thank my sponsors because obviously they make things much easier in life uh, BGC Racing Big Property Sales In Air Sport and um, Low Six and obviously thank you to the team that's come out with me obviously you know people have live and gyms to run and obviously taking that sort of time out of normal schedule to come out and have a little holiday at the same time <laughs> and obviously thank you to the fans that tuning in and watching that support in there. Tyrone. Thanks for all Aussies for having us. It's a good bunch. Yeah, no, Tyrone, obviously we wish you the best of luck and a lot of people will tune in. Hopefully it'll be around lunchtime-ish and everyone will be able to catch it on the lunch hours at work and, you know, we're really looking forward to seeing how you do and, you know, hopefully you'll be successful up at the new weight and we'll hope to see you, you know, again uh, in a Commonwealth title fight and potentially British title fight in the future. Uh, But again, the best of luck for the fight on Thursday and, and thanks very much for speaking to us. There you go. It's good to hear from Tyrone. Like I was just saying before the interview played, this is a fight that's gone well under the radar. And as you've heard in the interview there, for for reasons such as the fact that it was quite late when the, the, the fight was sort of presented to Tyrone and his team, the fact that they had to get visas to go over to Australia, and you know, there's sometimes there can be issues with visas and people getting in within the team. We've seen that happen before in the past. It's surprising that Box Nation are not picking this up as yet. And we, obviously, we record on a Monday night and we could end eventually see it announced by say Monday night Tuesday Wednesday and it could be there on the Thursday but as it stands as Tyrone was saying there it's looking like it's going to be on Epic Centre TV which was the same streaming service that shown the Jimmy Kelly and Dennis Hogan fight and it's interesting Carl that he's decided to take a, a move up in weight now and, and go to the welterweight division and put them extra £7 on and this this is a good fight for him I mean the, the, the opponent he's fighting is also coming off the back of a loss to funnily enough Chris George who's fighting Josh Kelly and as 
you've heard in the interview, Josh Kelly faces Chris George for the Commonwealth, which, if Tyrone wins this, he becomes the mandatory for that title. So, it's not a bad step in the career, really. Back A route back to the top for Tyrone Nurse, is it? No, not at all. And he's gone He's gone down to Australia, and all roads seem to leave, lead to Josh Kelly at the moment with these with these four guys. So, if, if you can get the win, it's only going to do kind of... It's only going to do favours, because he's the one, he's the one travelling down. He's not being picked up by any kind of television company from what what we've heard um, over on, on this side of the water so it'd be interesting to see if you can get the win and what it kind of does because I think people always respect when the likes of as Jane McDonald's doing at the weekend and now what Tyron Nurse is doing at the weekend they're willing to travel like to the other side of the world for a fight so huge respect for Tyron Nurse, Tyron Nurse com- coming back awful loss he's kind of biting the bullet and heading down heading down there for a tough fight so if he can come back with a win who knows what who, who knows what might be next for him and maybe the likes of a, a Josh Kelly I think Eddie Hearn would be interested to see uh, Josh Kelly go in with someone like Tyron Nurse I think people that would be Josh Kelly's that'd be a huge step up for him if, if, if it did all work out the way the way it would look it could go so I'd like Tyron Nurse to get to, to get the win I think um, British and Irish fighters no matter where they are I think you always like to get the win because we get to see them back here and we get to see them in the big fights so I hope I hope the, the fight um, can get the, the coverage it deserves and he just needs to bounce back so that's what you need to do after a loss you need to bounce back and kind of get back in the ring and he's doing it in kind of a strange style by heading all the way down there so congratulations to him if he can get the win I'll be, I'll be absolutely delighted but um, fair play to him heading all the way down there because it, w- it wouldn't be something a lot of fighters would do they might come back on a kind of small hall show maybe over in the UK kind of just get a win under their belt but he's not he's kind of he's, he's pushing on he's moved up in weight and it sounds like he's confident that's, that's what I like yeah it's fair play to him for doing what he's doing like you just said Dave hit the nail on the head a lot of fighters do come back and they do look for a sort of a tune up fight before they want to jump back in at the deep end and, and Tyrone took the opportunity here to go straight in at the deep end a route to the Commonwealth a route to a big fight with Josh Kelly which Tyrone Nurse is a quality operator and that would be a fantastic fight for him and it's a potential route back to the British title and what he was saying in the interview there when I asked him about it would he like to be a British champion at a second weight absolutely damn right he would that would be fantastic for to say that you know that you've won the Lord Lonsdale belt in two separate weights in your career Tyrone's still only 28 he's got a little bit of time still on his side here I just fear that if he does get through this and he eventually faces Josh Kelly that he might struggle with Josh Kelly I think we've we've seen in the fight with Catterall you know Catterall different style of opponent you know seems to sort of put it on Tyrone Nurse and Tyrone Nurse didn't really seem to like that and Josh Kelly's the type of fighter who has got fancy footwork and a, a guy that can sort of really bedazzle you and, and the shots half the time you don't see coming but I really really hope he does the business here in Australia and I hope he does get that route to the Commonwealth and he, he deserves it he's been a you know a good servant to, to boxing and especially bo- boxing across you know the northwestern Yorkshire for sure so let's move on and talk about a another big fight uh, which is happening over the weekend and well it's not even the weekend it's a, it's a Friday night fight but for us it'll be I think it's early hours Saturday morning Jamie McDonnell is over in Japan to defend his WBA bantamweight title against the monster which is Naoya Nui well the guy is a monster let's have it right he's been a monster in the super flyweight division that's the first thing I want to say he's moving up anyway to fight Jamie McDonnell for this title and I'm quite surprised that he's been able to move up away and get a world title shot so quickly. I just think it's possibly because he is beating everything that's put in front of him. Being billed as this monster, Jamie McDonald's going in there as the underdog, surprisingly. And we've seen what Jamie McDonald can do when he's on the road. He's a, he seems to be a very good away fighter as well. He's not just a guy that goes to a different country and lies down. He's a guy that goes over there to win. And that that's what I really like about Jamie McDonald over the past few years is what I've seen him do in his career. He's, he's, he's gone on the 
road. He's won fights. He's won big fights. He, he, you know, he's been really, really well over the past couple of years. But a new age, the one that's coming through now, and you know, potentially the winner of this gets a place in the World Boxing Super Series. And I think it's sort of signed, sealed, and delivered. To be honest with you, that that is going to happen. Whoever wins this fight, the champion will walk into the World Boxing Super Series bantamweight tournament, which we talked about last week, which is a, a really, really good tournament. But again, it's I, I've seen a couple of fights of Nao anyways, and yes, he does look like he could live up to that bill of what people are saying he is however he's not been in with anybody like Jamie McDonald yet and Jamie McDonald seems to always find a way to win against all odds and and that's what I love a good underdog story and this is for me it's been turned into an underdog story if you go on and look at the promo that they've done uh, you can't understand the bloody word of it but you can kind of get the impression it's it's a big deal over there in Japan for these guys and Anue is a big deal for them so it's going to be really interesting to see how Jamie McDonald will cope over there in the Lions Den we've seen him do it before can he do it again Cahal what do you think I think it's a, it's a huge ask and that's purely because of he is going over there he is the underdog and I'm just going on kind of what you hear of Inoue and he carries power he's a, he's, he's at home it's kind of all geared for him but I, I couldn't have more respect for Jamie McDonald and um, if he was to pull this off it's probably one of the biggest kind of it would be up there with one of the biggest kind of at bricks travelling away kind of upset in that term now, I don't mean in terms of British boxing history I just mean it would be such a such a big event, such a big deal if um, Jamie go over there, get the win, and then with the win he gets the kind of the spot I believe he deserves in the World Boxing Super Series. I think Jamie has proved all time and time again the kind of the fighter he is, the kind of the balls that he does have to go and do this. Most fighters would like go over defend the world title with a guy, an undefeated guy in his in his backyard. But Jamie Thomas gone, yeah, of course, no problem. And that, that's that's what you hear from his team. They're all kind of going, yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll go over and I'll fight him, no problem. This guy who likes a fight. That's what you like about. Like guys like Jay McDonald, he just, he'll just have a scrap. If if it had been in in his back garden, he wouldn't mind. And essentially, is in in his back garden. So if the winner is going to go to the World Boxing Super Series, that's a, I think that's a treat. I'm really excited to see more of a new way. I'd love to see Jay McDonald pull it off. But who's to say that both of them won't go in? Because I think people want to see a new way. I think Jay McDonald deserves his, deserves his uh, his shot in the World Boxing Super Series. So who knows? Unless it's agreed that the winner goes in. Um, I've seen reports that a new way goes in. Um, I wasn't seeing whether he beats Jay McDonald. I was seeing that a new way was in the competition. So who knows um, what way I think it's Saturday morning Friday evening or something like that you were saying Yeah. so uh, it's one that they'd be definitely watching on Saturday morning boxing um, uh, that that appeals to me it's not like staying up watching a, a card come in from Las Vegas where you're kind of knack retired half awake trying to stay to stay awake and watch it so I have pure respect for Jay McDonald I think it's a it's a it's a big shout but um, if anyone's going to pull it off he's done it before he's won on the road I just think he's really up against it here in a new way and we could see the a new way coming out party but I would love I would really love Jay McDonald to pull it off Dave Caldwell seems to be confident in McDonald's ability to do this. I was just watching an interview with him beforehand, before we started recording, and he seems pretty confident he can implement the right game plan into this fight for Inoue. And he, he, he does obviously question some of Inoue's achievements so far, and he's obviously being billed over in Japan. And It's a difficult one, because like you say, when everybody's saying this guy's a monster and he's going to beat everybody, nine times out of ten, that normally seems to be the case. But then you always get that one out of ten time. I mean, let me think back to when Jeff Lacey and Joe Calzaghe Jeff Lacey was supposed to do a number on Joe Calzaghe wipe the floor with him and what we got was one of the greatest performances of Joe Calzaghe's career if not the greatest performance of his career so you, you kind of got to look at the back of your mind and sort of take that into consideration that sometimes they're not always as hyped up as they are in the ring you know uh, oh, I'm saying that wrong what I mean is they're not always as good as what they are being hyped up to be sometimes they are just a hype job we'll see we'll see come Saturday morning I am excited for it and I really hope Jamie McDonald 
channel does the job from a British perspective and I, I, I can't say how this is going to go I can't make a production I'm very on the fence because a part of me really wants McDonald's to win this but then a part of me feels like if I knew a you know, I knew a could just do this and, and just take it and, and break British hearts but we'll have to wait and see come Saturday morning but it's great like you say to get a bit of boxing early Saturday morning it's not staying up till 4 o'clock in the morning to watch the USA cards you're actually going to be able to wake up at a, a relatively normal time and watch the fight so I am really looking forward to that one so moving on a couple of other fights to mention that I have noted down uh, over the weekend coming up and we have David Lemieux back in action over in Canada facing Kareem Akur who's 26 and four. This is obviously the moves route back to world title contention. Uh, we've got a fighter, Stephen Daniel, De- who currently trains over here in Manchester, funnily enough. Uh, he's fighting on that same card against a prospect by the name of Castillo Clayton, which is for the IBF and WBO international titles at welterweight. And I'll move on to another fight, which I think is one that's flying under the radar. I don't know about you, Cahill, but Cal Yafai defending his WBA super flyweight title in the USA. That, that doesn't even seem to have been advertised anyway I've not seen nothing about that fight have you seen anything about this fight at all coming up no and I have to be honest Sean um, when you sent me the notes for the show that was the first I'd heard of this fight and usually I'm across kind of stuff when it comes to boxing and, and matchroom fighters and I watch all the interviews as much as I can with the likes of Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn I didn't even see him mention this I didn't hear this one come up at all and it, it's strange because Califoy is one that Eddie Hearn has said in the past that it, he, it's the state is ready made for him and they really want him and all the TV production they all want him so it's strange I thought it would have heard more about it but it could be one of them he's just gone over to announce himself to the uh, the American audience so who knows who he's going in with it's a fight that's really flown under the radar and something that's kind of disappointing when a, a Brit is fighting for world title the, the same way Jamie McDonnell is so you don't know where Eddie, Eddie Hearn's going to be he could be in Japan he could be in the States you wouldn't know he could be sitting sitting in Essex somewhere so um, be interesting to see how Cali Foy gets on he's an exciting fighter um, he's getting better and I think it's this is this is a keep busy if it's him yeah no it is he certainly is that I mean I looked through Cam Owner's record. I've not heard of Cam Owner. I'll be totally honest with with the listeners. I've not heard of Cam Owner before. But looking through his record, he's lost three of the last four fights, including Anue was one of the fighters that he's fought recently. So for me, it looks like a routine defence for Yafai, whilst getting the exposure that we've been talking about on the USA and the Matchroom bill. It seems to be a joint promotion between Matchroom USA and Top Rank, from what I could tell. So it's it's, it's the start of Eddie Hearn's essential trying to take over America situation by the looks of it. And sticking Carl Yafai on here is getting him the exposure he needs for a potential future fight you know in the super flyweight division uh, so again guys if you've not caught the fact that this is on this weekend Cal Yafai defending his WBA super flyweight title in the USA versus David Carmona definitely one to catch probably a Sunday morning job but don't forget about that one because we want to see where Cal Yafai goes from here just want to take a quick pause for the cause it's just to give a shout out to the sponsors for the podcast Steroplast Healthcare Limited setting the standards across the seven sectors you've heard it all before steroplast provides so many different products in particular to the boxing world we've got the stereotype zinc oxide tape we've also got the boxing wraps we've got the chin top bottle we've also got the new ko tape which is coming very very soon so look out for that on steroplast website as you know we've got all the fighters in the northwest using it at the moment and steroplast are getting around to as many gyms as they possibly can to tell people about their products about their tapes uh, and what's coming up in the future so Get over to steroplast.co.uk to find out more about these fantastic products. 
So, next part of the show, I managed to catch up with Haymaker Boxing Promoted, Cody Davis, this week. It's good to hear from Cody. He was on the Hay and Bellew undercard not a couple of weeks ago. First time on a really big stage for him, and it was really good to, to get his take on how his career is going so far. He had a great amateur career, which you'll hear in the interview, and it's really good to sort of see where he plans to go going forward, and potentially looking at being another world champion from Wales. So, we'll put that interview on for you now, and we'll come back to you in a few minutes. Cody? Thank you for speaking to us. It's really great to get you on this week's episode. Uh, I just want to start by really getting you to sort of introduce yourself to people that may or may not have already seen you uh, on the circuit as at present. Yeah, I'm uh, Cody Davis. I'm from sunny South Wales, down in the valleys. I'm, I'm trained by former world champion Gavin Reese. Started off uh, my pro career with him. Um, I left Team GB as an amateur after um, a couple of years on the program. There, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to stay on for another four years for the. Um, for the next Olympic cycle, so I decided to turn professional. Um, I've had um, four fights now. My last fight was on uh, the David Hay and Tony Bayou and the card where I had a first round stoppage against a game opponent with uh, who come to win. So uh, I'm just moving on now. I'm ready for the next step now. Well, going back then to your amateur career, you had uh, quite a successful amateur career. You was the Welsh and British champion, is that right? Yeah, yeah, in, in a couple of consecutive years, yeah. So you did you had a pretty decent amateur background then going into turning professional and now you're professional, like you said, you've had four fights What's the transition been like from amateur to pro? Yes, like I said, I was on Team GB for a while, so we was always we was always training like um, to the highest level anyway. But yeah, it's definitely an extra, um, and you need an extra push when you when you're training for professional fights, especially as I'm being trained by Gavin Reese, who's like um, he's hardcore. You know, there's never an easy session. So um, you know, I'm running longer and doing longer rounds, doing just just the whole the whole um, regime is intensified. And this um, obviously I've dropped the weight now as well, dropped down to light heavyweight from cruiserweight. So that was our work but I'm here now and I'm, I'm making my mark so it's all great it's all going good talk, talk us through then obviously the big one there the Tony Bellew and David Hay fight a couple of weeks ago that must have been a great platform to be on it, like I say at this stage of your professional career yeah it's cracking like um, like I said previously in previous interviews um, you know I'm used to fighting in leisure centres down down in the valleys and um, you know I, I love fighting in the valleys in front of all, all the Welsh people it's, um, it's a great feeling but to be propelled up onto a big stage where you get you know you get the little, all the little things make a difference like you get your own glove and you get your own dressing room and there's a day before weigh-in and you know you get you're staying in a nice hotel and things like that it all comes apart and it all makes everything that a little bit more easier so I can just so I can just focus on, on the job in hand and, and that's just getting the win instead of thinking about you know gloves and my opponent coming in overweight like before I signed with um, with Haymaker and Ringstar my, my two fights previous to that my, my both my opponents was over stone heavier than me and, and there's nothing you can do you know I, I sell a load of tickets I bring, bring everyone out to watch me and they, they turn up and jump on the scales and they're stone heavier than me you know I, I won't want to go, go out and tell even I'm not fighting so I, no, I'm, I'm left with no option really but to take the fight but now I'm, I'm obviously being propelled now up into to the, the big league I suppose with um, Haymaker Promotions and S-Jam Boxing and you know things like that you don't have to worry about things like that now I can just concentrate on performance so that's obviously where I come into my own as you've seen in my last fight in my first round garbage and going back to talking about training with Gavin obviously we know Gavin from, from being a world champion and, and the career he had uh, What what's it like on a day to day basis with him in the gym like you said you said he was a Quite, quite a tough worker. Yeah, you, you never know what's going to happen day to day. I wait for a little message on WhatsApp in the morning, and you know it could be it could be um, pads at twelve, or it could be gay ass at the bed at eight a.m. We, we're running up through the mountains, and he's driving behind me in the car up through the lane. You know, it's, um, you, ne- you never really know what there's a guy, but guarantee it's going to be hard work. And the experience he's took out of his own professional career, and you know, implement it in, into a, into a training career. Do you do you feel that's been really beneficial for, for you as a fighter to be able to have someone like Gavin? in your corner with all that wealth of knowledge and experience. 
Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred million percent. I wouldn't have turned professional if I wasn't um, if I wasn't with Gavin. To be honest with you, I felt obviously we, we clicked straight away when I when I had my last amateur amateur fight. We clicked doing training there and um, just been 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 going together ever since. I suppose. So yeah, hundred percent. He's um, he's also gone amateur gym up there as well. Up in his um, up in his club, we he trains probably twenty or thirty kids three times a week, and he, he's passing his knowledge down through all the generations. So it's, it's good to see. It's good for the community as well. Absolutely, I would totally hundred percent agree. And it's good to hear what he is doing for the community down there in, in South Wales going on to your career and, and where you're going to progress from, from here forward where where do you see yourself going over the next few months have you got anything lined up uh, already or how, how's yeah, it planning there's, out um, there's, there's a fight um, soon to be announced it's going to be around June time um, and you know I'm, I'm just re- I'm ready to stay active and I'm, I'm making a move down to super middle for my next fight now so that's another uh, that's an extra few kilograms off and I feel like it's going to make a massive difference and I'm, I'm going to be I'm looking to campaign at light heavyweight and super middleweight so I'm looking to stay active and uh, just just keep moving keep winning keep fighting and, and keep building on that So is the plan then to, to sort of test the waters with you know mixing between super middleweight and light heavyweight and then maybe trying to sort of find the ground in which you you want to fully campaign in is, is that the plan is to see how well you perform how well you make the weight for each category Yeah I made the weight comfortable in my, in my last fight I weighed in at 80 kilograms which is the lowest I've, I've been actually for, for all my adult life so um, <laughs> I, I made that comfortable I've never had the luxury of a day before weighing you see these shows done in Wales so to have a day before weigh-in it makes a massive difference I was able to, to make um, 80 kilograms comfortable so an extra couple of kilograms down to super middle now a little bit more of a push but you know I, I think I'll make it I, not again comfortable yeah I think I'll make it comfortable and be, be bigger and stronger at the weight and you know I've sparred with um, top boys at super middle and um, yeah I'm feeling it's, it's, it's great it's, it's encouraging for me to move down there and, and make my mark down there as well it's quite a uh, stacked domestic division and, and both of them are to be fair both the light heavyweight and super middleweight divisions are really stacked domestically in, in terms of sparring you were just mentioning it there what what sort of fighters have you been sparring with you know names that that maybe the, the sort of wider audience may know of well I got called up into um, McGuigan's gym to spar George Grove for his fight against Jimmy Cock um, they called us up for a spar we done I think we done eight rounds and then they after the spar then they asked us to return three times a week and, and become chief sparring partner for, for Grove in his camp against Jimmy Cox so I was travelling to London three times a week with Gavin doing 10 rounds at a time for, for a few weeks um, got all the rounds in with George Groves and then shortly after uh, Callum Smith uh, no sorry Joe Gallagher called us at the spa with Callum Smith for his preparations against um, he was fighting in the, in the Super Series when he against the Southpaw yeah the, the uh, opponent pulled out Nicky Holskin or was it the Jürgen Bremer fight it was yeah, the Bremer the, the Southpaw sparring there after so obviously they called me up there and I was back and forth there as well for, for um, a couple of weeks barring with him and they is like the best around really on it, you know. So, so, so um, yeah, it's encouraging. Yeah, well, it sounds like you've had a really good uh, experience. Obviously, going from the amateurs and, and being on Team GB, and then transitioning into the pro game and, and sparring the likes of George Groves and obviously Callum Smith as well. You know, who, who hopefully we'll get yeah. to see in the World Boxing Super Series final. But it's interesting to, to to hear that you're actually looking to sort of potentially campaign at Super Middleweight because that that is you know obviously a really really stacked domestic division as I've said, and, and also a division you know made famous uh, by another Welsh legend in Joe Calzaghe and it's, it's a division that's uh, got a bit of a reputation for, for Welsh fighters so it'll be really interesting to see if that's the weight you stay at and campaign at but also light heavyweight as well because we know he moved up at, at the later end of his career and he campaigned at light heavyweight for the last couple of fights so with people like Joe and uh, you know the guys like that and, and you've got Barry Jones as well people that have been former world champions uh, are these the types of guys over in Wales that inspire you to get to that level and become 
you know, a future world champion. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Joe Joe Kazai is actually a family friend. I'm, I'm best friends with his son Joe Junior, and my dad's best friends with him. So I get a lot of my my uh, motivation from from seeing what what Joe's achieved. You know, from an area like where we live, it's, it's, it's amazing to see. And it motivates me. And obviously, yeah, like you said, Barry Jones. There's a lot of world champions from from Wales, and I'm, I'm lucky enough to be trained by by a former world champion in Gavin Reese. So yeah, yeah, it definitely drives drives me on and makes me makes me realise that you know it doesn't matter where you're from or what you've got around you, as long as you work hard and put putting the graphs and the time, you, you can um, you can achieve great things. Absolutely. Uh, in terms of support, then, Cody, what type of support have you had from from say you know your local friends and family, and and has that support started to grow now? You've been getting big exposure, like uh, obviously the the Hay Bellew fight. Yes, it started to go on social media and things like that. But to be honest with you, um, I've always had great support from from down here in the valleys. You know, all, all the Welsh boys and girls. You know, they they've been fantastic. They've followed me all from my amateur career. I used to have massive crowds down at my um, my national my national competition down in Cardiff. And you know, turning pro then, I sold about two hundred tickets for my first fight. And I was like a two and a half hour drive away down in Swansea. And they all made the trip down, and they they all all been great. And they I took a bunch up to um, to London with me as well. And yeah, like you said, since the the Hay Bayou fight, my my like, social media and stuff and I is, is like growing it's taking over but you know it's, it's the people who spend their hard money on tickets to come and watch me that really means a lot to me and um, yes yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's great as well as obviously guys like that that are coming the ticket the, the people that are buying the tickets have you also got a, you know any sponsorships on board at the moment that you, you want to give any thought or thanks to in this interview for support they may be giving you yeah first of all I want to thank God because without him we wouldn't all be here and then my sponsors I've got um, some great great um, sponsors backing me I've got Richie Morgan from Potspec Motors Paul Hayward from Compilary Glass, Dee Ledlow from Puro Kitchen, excuse me, and Lee Bachelor from Batch Plant. And I've had amazing support from my family and my, my friends as well, which I'm really thankful for. Well, Cody, obviously, as always, it's a it's a pleasure to speak to you and thank you for taking the time out to, to discuss bits of your amateur career and how it's been in the professional game so far and, and essentially what your plans are for the future. And we're really looking forward to seeing how your career goes, you know, over the next 12 to 18 months and seeing how far it progresses. And, you know, we can only wish you the best of luck for the future. Yeah, appreciate it mate. it's been a pleasure I appreciate the call thank you very much Cody so there you go good to hear from Cody Got a, like I said a great amateur career there as you heard in the interview I really really looked up to Gavin Reese, a former world champion himself and it's, it's, it's good to know that he's uh, mates with Calzaghi's son Joe Calzaghi Jr really interesting to hear about that he's had a really decent start to his career I know he's only four fights in and now we've just heard that he is fighting his fifth professional fight on the 15th of June on another Haymaker boxing promoted show so that's going to be interesting to see him back in the ring you'll get a a little bit more airtime, I think, in this one. He didn't get that on the Hay Bellew card. He just kind of got a few sort of minutes, you know, as a bit of a filler time between the main events. So it was good to, to hear that he's going to be on a Haymaker boxing show in a couple of weeks' time. But Cody Davis, Cole, just a quick word from you on him. Yeah, it's an exciting, an exciting young fighter. Um, he looks older than his years, um, and I thought that the night I seen him on the, the Hay Bellew card. But an exciting, an exciting prospect, um, four and zero. But he's getting that. He's getting what I think young fighters need. He's getting that big stage experience, and and with Hay Haymaker promotions not a, not a massive stable that they had so he's going to get out and hopefully he can get out regularly and hopefully he, he can get the kind of the uh, the publicity and the kind of the light shot on him which he will hopefully on, the, on coming up in June and he, he's working with uh, he's working with some good people so um, I expect exciting things from what I've seen of Cody Davis and he's not he's not one that's going to um you're not going to you're not going to miss him he has a very distinctive look and I remember that from the, from the <laughs> hey, value, the value. <laughs> yeah no he, he does have a distinctive look that's for sure he's definitely changed it if you go on and google Cody Davis you look at him what he was a couple of years ago the way he's 
hairstyle was, his whole physique looking into what he is now, completely different guy. He wouldn't even put the two, the two guys together at all. <laughs> well, let's move on then. Cahal, it's your turn now, and it's the Irish Boxing Updates. Tell us what you've got for us this week. Yeah, so someone that we have out there, uh, we have, uh, I think he's out on Wednesday, is uh, Aaron McKenna. Um, Aaron is signed with Golden Boy. Um, he's an exciting fighter. I think he's going for his, uh, he's gone for his fourth victory. Um, he's taken on a guy with uh, a patchy record, to say the least, um, a losing record. But I think it's at this point for Aaron, it's about building that record and getting getting out there on American television. And he, he has some good people behind him, and we all know who's um, working with Golden Boy, the likes of Delahoya, and there's Hopkins and those kind of guys. So he, he's in good company there, and you have Jason Quigley out there too. So um, Aaron is one that I think a lot of people now over the next probably eighteen months, two years are going to hear a lot about. And he's a he's a he's a big exciting um, Irish prospect. Um, an opponent has been confirmed for um, Nell Kennedy's next fight, the Irish heavyweight. He's going to take on uh, Christian Mariscal. Um, he's going to face him over in the States again. A lot of Irish fighters do actually fight over in the States. Um, I think it's, it's it's strange sometimes when the bigger names in Irish boxing seem to base themselves out in the States, but Irish boxing in this country really is coming back into its own. So hopefully soon enough we can see um, we can see that the, the likes of Niall Kennedy and Aaron McKenna maybe get on cards over here. And I think they're the kind of guys who are going to kind of push on Irish boxing back in to one of the one of the main sports in this country, and then the, the kind of last bit it's been quiet on the Irish scene um, a little bit, but um, very successful amateur John Joe Nevin. Um, he's looking to kind of continue his uh, pro career. He faces Zach Ramsey. He faces him in the he's going to face him in the states next month as well. So um, a bit quiet, but uh, it'd be good to see John Joe kind of get out his uh, his career is kind of um, it kind of hit a hit a slow patch after kind of a lot was expected from John Joe because of uh, because of that amateur background, and I think he faced Luke Campbell. Um, I think was it in the in the Olympic final so I think a lot of people um, Brits as well would remember John Joe Nevin and um, he's had issues away from the ring so hopefully John Joe can get his career back on track and kind of he, he can feel the, he can fulfil the potential that I think a lot of people expected him so a lot of Irish fighters out keeping busy over in the States and, and it's great to see other than that it's all quiet on the Irish front Thanks very much for that call it's good to hear about what's going on in Irish boxing updates so next part of the show as always it's this week in boxing history Down goes Frazier So it's this week in boxing history and we've got another great week to talk about in boxing history. As always, it's really fantastic to sort of see what has been going on in history in this week that we're currently in. And the first one I wanted to discuss was on the 21st of May 1966 and it was the rematch between Muhammad Ali and Henry Cooper. Now you'll probably remember uh, a lot of the images from Muhammad Ali's fight with Henry Cooper but you'll remember it from when he was actually Cassius Clay from the first fight and it was when Henry Cooper knocked Cassius Clay a la Muhammad Ali down with a left hook and that is essentially what ended up getting the rematch later on down the line although Ali stopped him in the first fight he got the second fight and it was the first world heavyweight title fight uh, in England for 58 years such a long time not to have had a world heavyweight title fight and you think to this day and age now and there's world heavyweight title fights more more often than not now because we've got a lot more world heavyweight champions in the past 20 years than what we've had 
before. So it's uh, it's really interesting to get a take on that. But this fight actually didn't go down as competitively as the first fight because Muhammad Ali knocked Henry Cooper out in round number six. And I was reading quotes about it actually, Cahal, about Henry Cooper saying, obviously before he passed away, about this fight. And he was saying that when he fought Ali in the second fight, you could tell how much he had learned from the first one because when they was in a clinch, he, he literally grabbed onto him for dear life, Muhammad Ali. So he'd learn not to let Henry Cooper on the inside. And it's it's one of them names that will go down in history for Britain as Henry Cooper. And he'll always be remembered for knocking Muhammad Ali on his backside the first time he'd ever been knocked down before. So it's one that I would recommend for people who love the boxing and love Muhammad Ali for sure to go back and have a look at, look at that. But is this uh, something you've come across, you know, in your boxing journey, Carl? Is this something you've ever watched on YouTube before? Yeah, no, Henry Cooper is a name that uh, I think we watched actually in primary school. We watched a documentary about Henry Cooper and the kind of build up and his knocking him down and what it did for his kind of his life. And then he, some of the imagery that comes from it, I think um, Henry Cooper's eye, blood streaming down his chest. It looks like it's just a crimson mask of just blood. And, and I think some of the, the really interesting stuff that I like to look up when we do the boxing history is if it's in black and white, you could sometimes get coloured photos um, where they've been remastered. And, and they're, they're, some of them, they're really interesting to look at. And you can get one where Cooper's eye, you can see the blood and it's just it's just it's just a mess and it was one of them that it, it was it's it's a famous story i'm sure henry kind of dined out in it but he, he was a good fighter himself it was he was no slouch and he, he what he remembered for is it will be putting muhammad ali on, on his backside but the, the second fight um ali was obviously in a different place in his career but always interesting documentaries and henry cooper's always a name that when it's talked about boxing always a name that you keep your ear open for because it is such an interesting story and and it's, it's such an interesting fight that it was one of them that if you if you can get to see it it's very hard to kind of see it you won't get good um you might not get great quality but um, really interesting and it's a really interesting story especially on uh, the Henry Cooper side of things yeah absolutely well let's move on to the next one then which is another really good one and this is at some point if this would have happened a bit further on in both their careers this would have been a dream fight so on the 22nd of May 1993 Roy Jones Jr. beat Bernard Hopkins over 12 rounds in Washington DC to become the IBF middleweight champion now this was at a period of time where Hopkins had been in prison for a little bit of time and he'd come out of prison he'd become a fighter and it was um, it was a fight where Roy Jones Jr. was really really coming into his own you know he was really sort of getting to that peak you know as a pound for pound fighter I think within between 93 and and 2000 was really sort of Roy Jones Jr.'s best years but this fight obviously came way too early in in Hopkins' career and it was just a sort of a a shame that it, it, it didn't happen when there was both in what I would say would be the peak of the career because we would have had a totally different fight I would have imagined it would have been fantastic to see but yeah Roy Jones Jr. there beating Bernard Hopkins two big names of the sport two legendary names of the sport going down on the 22nd of May 1993 on the 23rd of May I've got two for this one 23rd of May 1954 marvellous Marvin Hagler was born (laughs) Marvin Hagler so one of the greatest fighters of the 80s I would say Marvin Hagler was born in 1954 he was a fighter that oh he was a fantastic fighter he wasn't just any old fighter he was a guy that was just knocking people out for fun and he was a guy I'll never forget the fight with with Leonard uh, but I'll also never forget the fight with I think it was was it Ken Buchanan he fought and there was like a riot in the ring afterwards I think that was uh, one that always springs to mind for me Marvin Hagler what, what was your take on Marvin Hagler as a fighter Cahal? 
well. Another one of those names that everyone's going to remember when it comes to uh, when it comes to boxing. A brilliant fighter and, and some of the, the the best fights you'll ever see. I think the interesting thing for listeners, if they they hear us talk about certain names, I think the, the only thing you should do is go back and watch some of these fights or even just read about them because these are the guys, the kind of trailblazers of boxing, the, the likes of Marvin Hagler, Ali, the kind of guys like Roy Jones Jr. You, you need to read about these guys. You need to know about these guys because what they did for boxing has, has paved the way for what we see today and, and what we watch on our TV screens today when we watch boxing. Well, it's not just that with, with, with someone like Hagler. It was strange because when you look back at his career, you look at the fights he was involved in. The Hagler-Hearns fight, that third round will go down as one of the greatest rounds in history along with the Gatti Ward one which was discussing last week. But he, he beat Tommy Hearns, he beat Roberto Duran in the 80s, he beat John Mugabe in the 80s. It was Alimentary fought, not Ken Buchanan. I was getting a bit confused between the two there because they were both Scottish. Uh, Alan Minter was the gentleman he fought back in 1980 at Wembley Arena and it was a WBA and WBC title on the line and I, I remember seeing the footage of it you know, quite recently where Hagler knocks Minter out and the, just the ring gets like stormed by loads of crap from the crowds. People just throwing shit everywhere from the crowds and it just kind of, it was a kind of sense of feeling at the time of, of how much the home fighters were supported and people were so passionate about it that they would literally throw you know, pots of piss into the ring just to just to try and get the person that's just stole the titles from their man so it was uh, yeah that was a good one to look at on YouTube as well but if you're going to go back and look at a, a fighter a very active fighter a very you know roughhouse strong powerful fighter then Marvin Hagler is definitely one you should go back and look at the career highlights for on YouTube really fantastic fighter did a lot in his career retired after the Ray Leonard fight which surprised me I would have thought he would have carried on but that loss obviously he never got over it did he he quite clearly never got over that loss to Sugar Ray Leonard no he didn't and I think there's certain fighters when they come up against certain opponents I think they just want to call it a day and there's certain fighters that I remember I think Prince Nazim Hamad I think whether I'm wrong on this I think he retired after one defeat and it's strange that certain fighters with well a lot of not a lot of fighters but the likes of Hagler and Prince Nazim Hamad who after one defeat just can't come back and it's it's strange and you feel a little bit robbed because they had so much to, so much more to offer yeah well Nazim Hamad he had one more fight after the loss to Barrera and yeah. it, it didn't look great in that fight it wasn't a great fight I think it was back in 2002 he had that fight uh, and apparently he retired because his hands were knackered and that was the reason for the retirement and that's why he didn't come back but I felt like you just said there I think it was the fight with Barrera just broke him completely he just he took that loss to Barrera and, and he, that's it then he, the untouchable side of him the invincibility side of him was gone and you know he obviously he thrived off that and once he lost it he was never the same again even in that combat fight he never looked the same in that combat fight whatsoever and he essentially retired and went on into what looks like a career of uh, pie eating contests because he's put a hell of a lot of weight on since um, since his fighting days that's for sure so <laughs> so moving on then to the next one which uh, is one that's sort of quite close to me uh, the 24th of May 2008 and it was at the City of Manchester Stadium and it was Ricky Hatt and coming back off the defeat to Floyd Mayweather to go and face Juan Lascano and it was I think the first time in England for a long time where we'd had a stadium fight which had over 50,000 people in it 
and it was an absolute packed night. I was there for it, and admittedly, for the weigh-in, I actually, uh, I actually pulled a sickie for the weigh-in for this one because I was so immersed in in Hatamania at the time that I wanted to see him back on these shores because he's not fought in England for I think about twelve months prior to this. So it was great to see him back, and then you know he comes out in that fat suit. Which, if you live in Manchester and you ever go to Hatton's Health and Fitness Gym, it, that fat suit is actually on display in the the main entrance in a big a big frame. And it's just something that I'll always remember and I'll never forget over that journey with with Ricky Hatton and his career. But he came back and he beat Juan Lascano and then went on to face Malinaji and then subsequently Manny Pacquiao. So 24th of May 2008, Ricky Hatton beating Juan Lascano. And the final one for this week in boxing history is back with Muhammad Ali. And this time it's another controversial one. That man in controversy. Two words that always go together. <laughs> 25th of May 1965, Muhammad Ali knocks out Sonny Liston in the first round to retain the world heavyweight title i want to have a little bit of a discussion about this one because this is uh, one that's always talked about even this many years what is it 53 years since this fight has happened and even to this day even watching the youtube footage back of this fight it just seemed like such a strange ending to a fight and i even watched it before i came on the podcast tonight because i remember watching it quite a few times and i've watched the documentaries about both fighters and the one about Liston as well and you know about the ties to the mafia and there was a lot of talk about this fight if through this particular fight actually he was told he had to throw this fight and the infamous phantom punch do you, do you think he actually threw the fight or do you think he was actually caught I mean Ali claims in different interviews in the past that he caught him or he didn't catch him or he hardly touched him and what was also interesting was Jersey Joe Walcott the referee and he screwed up his refereeing duties he couldn't even keep control of the fight no it did I've read the book um, The Murder of Sonny Liston um, by Sean Assail uh, I think it, Sonny Liston is, is one of a kind of mysterious character when it comes to boxing. Well, more about his life away from boxing um, with the mob and drugs and things like that and, and his life in Las Vegas and that kind of thing. So I think... I don't think he was hit and you can I can think you'd tell by the reaction of Muhammad Ali where he's almost shouting get up that kind of thing so and it leads to that famous picture where he's looking down on Sonny Liston so it, it, it's it's such an interesting kind of story I think Sonny Liston is, is one of those people that has such a backstory and there's movies and documentaries about him but I don't think we'll ever know the full story about that and, and it, it's it's crazy to see because the phantom punch it's, it's just Sonny Liston goes down and, and I think the build up the fight the, the fight wasn't there the shots fired and it didn't Liston shoot and Muhammad Ali was shot in the yeah, 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 yeah. There was like that, so th- that kind of thing. Those those build up to fights, not like stuff like now where you, there's a bit of pu- pushing and shoving at weigh ins. These guys are shooting at each other, so <laughs> that that's exciting heavyweight division, I think. Yeah, no, it is, and it's um, it, yeah, it, it did produce that famous picture, which is it, well, it's not just famous; it's an iconic picture, iconic. Yeah. And I think the quote was something like "Get up, you sucker." A summit of long them lines was what he said to him when he was on the floor, and it was funny that you know Jersey Joe Walcott, the referee, a former fighter himself, and you watch the YouTube footage back and you can see that he's just not got no control over the fight. Liston goes down Liston's still trying to get up uh, it looks like an official is, is signalling to Jersey Joe so he walks away and the two fighters start getting it on again and then you see Jersey Joe Walcott come running back over to try and stop it and at this point he's like no he waves it off, he's waving his hands saying no the fight's over, the fight's over The miscat- the, it was counted out it just seemed to be an absolute mess uh, of a finale and, and yeah it does look like it was uh, a bit of a fix and kind of knowing what we 
know now it seems more so than ever that that was a fight which he probably did throw and given his affiliation to the mafia at that time and uh, again if you've not only seen any of the documentaries on, on Sonic Liston I would recommend going watching them because there's some really interesting takes and interesting conspiracy theories if you love a good conspiracy theory and you want to sit there with your tinfoil hat that is definitely one as a boxing fan to go and watch for sure and that really concludes this week in boxing history so let's get on to the final interview of today's show and I've got to admit it's a, it's a really great interview and I'm really pleased to have got this interview because it's the son of a legend that we've got on the show the son of a legend I never ever thought that we would get someone like Roberto Duran Jr. on the show and to be able to get in contact with him and for him to take the time out to tell his story and, and what he's doing in boxing was, was, was fantastic and I'm really excited to play this for the listeners and it was really really good take and Cahal I know we was both trying to get in contact with him at the same time to try and get this interview so I know as well as you you know we're quite excited for, for this one aren't we? Yeah 100% um, we all know what uh, Roberto Duran did in sport boxing but I think it's always interesting when we see someone not only does he have the name Duran he has the same first name so he, he has the name of his father if he has the career of his father who knows if he wants to be that kind of I know the Eubanks and we have the Collinses and we have those kind of people who are both linked but I think it's about those fighters the sons of these fighters building their own legacy and it's good to hear Roberto Duran kind of kind of carving his own path where he, he is the son of Roberto Duran but he wants to be known for his own his own exploits in the ring and, and not what his father did so you have to give him pure respect for that and it's it's exciting time for Roberto Duran Jr. and what he's going to do um, probably maybe this year we're going to see more of him and it, it's exciting times and the name will follow him but it'd be interesting to see what kind of what he carves out for himself and what kind of path he goes when it comes to boxing So here you go guys it's Roberto Duran Jr. here on Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast So really I, I wanted to sort of start out by you sort of introducing your background and how you got into boxing How I got into boxing? Yeah Well I started as well, I've been in combat sports very early as a kid. You know, my mom had me in martial arts when I was five years old. And then I started getting, I started transitioning into boxing, you know, as I started spending a little more time with my father in the gym, you know, watching him train and then watching him fight as I got a little older. So I didn't start actually training boxing until I was nine years old. And in terms of uh, an amateur career, how much of an amateur career have you had? Uh, it's not long at all. I only did five amateur fights. And you've only had the one professional fight so far and you're scheduled to have a second one uh, coming up soon. What's uh, the transition been like going over from them five amateur fights into this first professional one? Um, to me, um, I mean, the transition was, it was, it was better for me, to be honestly, because I was never an amateur fighter. You know, I don't have that amateur style. And um, with five fights, I only had to do five fights because it was needed by the commission for me to turn professional so I only got the five fights out of the way and turned pro and when you made your professional debut uh, what what was the feeling like was there was the nerves butterflies in the stomach that type of feeling nah to to be honest with you I was actually feeling great you know to finally be where I where I needed to be where I wanted to be you know I was nervous not really nervous because you know I prepared myself mentally and physically with the training I prepared myself for this so I wasn't nervous at all I was just getting ready I was just ready to get in the ring and, and do what I do best and you, you have got another fight which is coming up it has been rescheduled uh, do you want to talk to me a little bit more about that and, and where that's going to be and, and when that's going to be on uh, it's going to be July 6th down here at the Hard Rock Cafe and Casino in Hollywood Florida 
I don't know too much details about it, just that the chain, just that uh, my fight's been rescheduled. So I'm currently in training camp for that, preparing also for that fight. And moving on then, and talking about your career, I, I don't want to focus this interview too much about your father, but obviously people are going to speak about it because of the name. You, you talked about earlier in the conversation about sort of as you were growing up and you started to see, you know, your father in the gym at a very young age. Looking back at what he's achieved in his career what sort of level in your career would you uh, want to get to as a benchmark as a minimum achievement in boxing well you know it's obvious that i'm not going to be able to have a long extensive you know boxing career like my father did you know yeah but as long as i'm a fighter and i'm boxing you know my goals are to achieve at least a title at least a title or two in my career you know that's what i'm that's that's what my dreams are right now and that's what i'm focused on that's what i'm working towards to and it is it Jorge Rubio you're training under at the moment? Yes, sir. So, obviously, us fans over in the UK obviously know Jorge uh, through training. Uh, previously, it was uh, Amir Khan uh, way back when, but Luke Campbell's uh, one of his current uh, prospects that he's got, one of the guys that's really up at the, you know, potentially on the cusp of challenging for a world title. What's it like being in the gym with Jorge, and what type of experience does he bring to training camp for you? You know, I've been with Jorge for a, for a while now. I want to say I've been with Jorge since since November 2015, you know, and his training is like a old school Cuban boxing school, you know? Yeah. You know, it's very intense. His training is very intense, very technical. We work a lot on technique, you know, inside fighting, outside fighting, and a lot of defense. So, you know, it's been great. He's taught me a lot. It's been great, you know, and I've also gotten the chance to also, you know, train with Luke Campbell himself i've sparred with him before you know he's a he's a great fighter he's a great guy in person everything is great about that training camp everything is excellent and in terms of the the sort of level of support that you've had so far in terms of sponsorships have you got sponsorships at the moment is the companies that are helping you on your career path to, to try and achieve the goals that you're looking to achieve in boxing oh no at the moment at the moment right now I don't have any sponsorships at the moment you know I'm, that's um, I'm kind of just laid back and just waiting for an opportunity or an offer at, for that right now you know I'm just focused on training really yeah and what sort of team do you have around you other than Jorge at the moment you know I have my secondary coach who is Xavier Centeno who I've also been on who I've also been under with you know I've been training with Jorge and also Xavier for a while and I have my sister you know I have my mom in my corner I have I have my coaches and I have my my sister and my mom in my corner who's been very supportive throughout my career and what sort of involvement does does your father have does he support your decision for you to turn professional oh uh, no me and my father to be honest with you me and my father's been distance you know we've been at a distance for a while we haven't spoke about my career or anything like that you know but it'll come around there'll be a time where me and him will meet face to face and you know we'll let it all out on the table then and there yeah and there's like i said earlier there's always going to be that sort of stigma around the name isn't there you know because of the name you you, you carry a family name which carries a legacy and there's always going to be a stigma around it but i know that from following you on social media and seeing what you're doing you're out there to create your own legacy you know you're taking aside the fact that your father was who he was and and you're there to create your own legacy, which it for me it leads me on nicely to, to to like where you are now at this this point. It's very early on in your professional career, and it's a young man's game. And everybody said it's a young man's game. Ideally for you, Robert, how long would you like to to sort of spend 
in boxing and then get out have you got like a short you know like say five six seven year career plan and then get out or are you just going to see where it takes you um currently i'm just gonna see how far i can how far my boxing career takes me you know i'm just gonna because i've over had i also have another career in music as well Okay. But I focus most of my dedication in boxing. So I'm just kind of just waiting to see how long, you know, how far it takes me. Tell me a little bit more about your other career. What is it in music you actually do? What what career path is it there? You know, uh, I'm a music artist. You know, I write music, make music videos, songs like that. I've also been writing music for a long time too, since I was a kid. I've been doing that for a while as well. So for you, there's always uh, a plan B then, isn't there? If, if for any reason the, the boxing thing didn't work out, you've always got that to fall back on of course i got that to fall back you know i'm also looking to uh whenever i get a chance to get back into school for business management so i got a few ideas i got a few ideas for after my boxing career or during my boxing career and i just want to get your your sort of take on the the boxing scene currently Uh, as a guy that's going into it you know very fresh in his career who do you see at the moment as as some of the best and quality boxers around the world Oh man, <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, there's a there's a quite a few guys that I admire right now, like in the heavyweight, like in the heavyweight division. You know, I admire Anthony Joshua. You know, Klitschko until he retired. You know, also you got nowadays you got Tevin Farmer that I look up to, Lomachenko, Jorge Linares. You know, these these are the guys that I look. You know, Rigandel. So there's also like Keith Turman, Sean Porter. These are a couple of guys that I that I watch in boxing nowadays because you know. Those are the top guys that are in their division right now. And growing up as a kid, was you quite interested in boxing as a kid? Did you watch a, a lot of the fights when you're younger? And and if so, going back say five ten years ago, who would you say would have been your favorite fighter in the in the past decade? Oh man, my favorite fighter will always be James Tony. You know, yeah, James Tony will always be my favorite fighter. <laughs> I used to watch him a lot too. Yeah, he's um, a, he's a great fighter, James. He's he's somebody that, I, I, as much as I loved his career. I, I wish he would have retired a little bit sooner. You think you, or you wish you would have seen him retire sooner? Yeah, yeah. The same, the same goes for uh, Roy Jones Jr. as well. As, as in, in in his prime, he was an absolute incredible fighter, and and you know there wasn't a lot of other fighters around that could, uh, as he says, could touch him. And he's another one that I felt like he went on a little bit too long in his career. Oh, it, it'll never, it'll never dampen his legacy for sure. But it, you know, like you say, James Tony, Roy Jones Jr. They're the two types of fighters that were around at a similar stage. Uh, of the careers so it's it's good to hear somebody referring to somebody different and not just the standard you know your box standard fighters that you always pick like your, you know your Muhammad Ali's or your Evander Holyfield's you know th- people like that it's good to hear somebody having an appreciation for a different type of fighter a different style of fighting oh yeah most definitely most definitely I just want to get your take on, on Floyd Mayweather and what what he's doing there's a lot of talk of him again coming out of retirement to, to potentially fight uh, Manny Pacquiao again they keep talking talking about it what what's the score over in america oh man yeah i mean you got me by surprise by that you know i don't really get into that um all the hype and the gossip about if he's coming out of retirement again if he's staying retired <laughs> that's actually that's actually new to me i had no clue he was thinking about or even talking about coming out of retirement to fight manny again yeah well the, the, there's manny and there's the talk of him coming back to fighting in octagon and there's always there's always something with fly mayweather uh, in terms of him coming back and fighting somebody but again as, as a fighter how would you rate him in terms of one of the best of all time 
I mean, you know, Floyd Mayweather is Floyd Mayweather. You know, he's nobody can, you know, knock what that man has accomplished in boxing. You know, he's a fighter like any other fighter. You know, he's done a lot of great things in boxing and people just got to learn how to appreciate that. You know, he might be a little bit too cocky. That's why people don't like him. You know, he might talk a little bit, might be a lot of, you know, cocky, but how he displays his boxing skills is what sets him differently from the way that he talks and acts. You know, Mayweather to me is one of one of the best. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I 100% agree with you. I, I, I could, I probably struggle to rank him somewhere, and I wouldn't want to rank him in in terms of like a top five fighter of all time. But he's definitely up there with some of the best oh, of yeah, all for time. For sure, for sure, for sure. Robert, just before before we call it an, an evening, and we we discuss the, a lot of things on on the interview today, and I really want to bring it back down to to you now and talk about you and and, and really just sort of the, the the support that you're getting at the moment over here in the UK as we, as we know uh, a lot of the fighters that are at a similar stage to you in your career you know they find it difficult because they have to they have to they post on social media they have to go out and, and try and sell the tickets to pay for their opponents to be able to then make some money is that a similar situation over in the US USA is, is that something you have to get involved in in terms of being able to get them tickets out and the following and things like that um, with me I don't really have to I don't pay for opponents you know that's one thing that I that I probably will never will never do because you know i don't see a reason why i have to any fighter you know i'm speaking for any fighter there's no reason why a fighter should pay another fighter to fight you know yeah if a fighter signs a contract then that contract is between both fighters that get paid a percentage of that fight you know that's how i look at it you know but as with the ticket sales you know it's, it's the same thing starting off you know you get the tickets in advance you sell them try to make some money a little bit of money you know before the actual fight but it happens like this it happens like that a lot here in the USA with a lot of you know fighters that don't have a, a name as they would put it so it makes it difficult for those fighters with no names in their background or no amateur career really to really get out there and get ex- and get known so there's a lot of guys really paying for fights you know I don't I don't really I don't condone that but you know that's how it is that's how it works that's the boxing game yeah yeah it is and it, it, it happens a lot here in the UK that's what a lot of guys at a similar level have to do to be able to you know start to get themselves known and, and one of the most powerful right. thing one of the most powerful things that we've got uh, in the world today is is social media and how much interest that can bring and how much exposure that can bring to to fighter and and like yourself essentially you know you're on social media you're on twitter are you on any other platforms or is it just twitter i'm on twitter and instagram and i also have a fan page on facebook goes team robert duran so that's where people can and can kind of interact with you really and, and get in touch with you if they you know they want to ask you a couple of questions or or they want to see how you're doing or they want to see your clips of training that's that's where they can hit you up well they can hit me up through twitter twitter because i have posts twitter's mainly my um my boxing account you know i keep all my boxing preferably there on twitter people could just direct message me there and get in contact with me you know on instagram is where i have i have by you know i set both of my careers that my music and boxing on my instagram and then on my face on my facebook you know is my fan page so that one controls there my pr team controls that but if people would comment you know they they would reply and also if they ever had asked me anything they will also get a reply back and finally have you got any sort of final words for people that listen to 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 not just this podcast that we do but the podcasts you know around the world there's so many of them is there a sort of final word that you you know you'd want to say to these listeners
listeners in terms of for them to sort of look at you and look at your career? I mean, you know, the only thing I can say is that, you know, I just, you know, to block out any negativity, you know, you know, to give me the chance to to shine like my father did, you know, the, the fathers that my father made in the UK, especially in the new in the UK, you know, you know, I just wish that they're in the UK and everywhere else, you know, everybody gives me the chance, you know, to flourish the opportunity for me to get to, the, to a certain level in boxing, you know, and I thank everybody for that, you know, just to give me the chance. Well, Robert, thank you for speaking to us. I'm really looking forward to seeing how your career progresses, you know, over the next 12 to 18 months and, and there beyond. So again, appreciate you taking the time out to speak to me there today. And I appreciate you for giving me the chance to speak with you, Mr. Bastel. So there you go. I hope everybody thoroughly enjoyed it as much as I did speaking to him. It was an absolute pleasure to be able to to interview someone that has a father that has got such a legacy in the game. But it's also you know interesting to hear his take on 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 boxing and and his take on like the current boxing scene and favorite fighters of his gone by. And, and it's also you know touching a little bit on his father there. And, and it seems a little bit like they've got a slight strained relationship going on there. And it must. Have been difficult for him growing up you know with the attention his father got as a fight team it surely must have been difficult and I think a lot of us we don't think about how it affects the family of these fighters when they get to the pinnacle of the sport which Roberto Duran did we don't know how much it affects him and a fair play to Robert Duran Jr because he's carving his own path and he's doing what he needs to do to support his family but he looks like a fantastic fighter I mean he's cha- he's training under Jorge Rubio who's training Luke Campbell he's sparred with Luke Campbell he's he's he, you know, he's got the, it's in his blood essentially to do it and I, I really wish him the best of luck and I hope he has a successful career and Cahol, you know, you've now listened to, to the interview and you've heard what he had to say, what what do you get from him, what impression do you get from Robert, Robert John Jr. as a fighter and as a person? I get someone who, who doesn't want to just be associated by his name, he wants to kind of carve out his own his own legacy when it comes to boxing and it, it's 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 good to see we know that we've seen the, the Eubanks, as I said, the Collins, there's, there's a lot of famous kind of father-son kind of things like that and then there's brothers and stuff like that but you always want to be known if you're going to achieve something especially in boxing these kind of boxing is a solo sport when you go in there it's just yourself so he's not going to be one known for what his father did he wants to be known for what he's going to do in boxing and that's that's what you want to see you don't want to see that it's kind of like there's so many kind of Nigel Benn has sons who all fight and there's Harley Benn there's all that kind of stuff but they all want to be known as they want to be known as themselves they don't want to be known as oh yeah I'm the father I'm the son of the great Nigel Benn, Chris Eubank, Robert, Roberto Duran. So you have to give respect to these guys because it's gonna that spotlight is gonna be put on him. His name is Roberto Duran Jr. So everyone's gonna know who he is, especially when it comes to boxing. So once he keeps his head on, it sounds like he definitely does, and he wants to carve his own path. He wants to do it his own way, and you have to have pure respect for that. He doesn't want to be he doesn't want to just be labelled as the son of Roberto Duran. Yeah, absolutely. And big thanks for him to come in on the podcast and taking the time out to speak to us. And hopefully we'll get him back on in the future and see where his career is taking him then so final section of today's show is news and gossip so it's the news and gossip section for this week and I've got a few bits and bats of information that I've put down on our notes for today's show and the first one was finally getting an announcement of Tyson Fury's comeback opponent in uh, a guy that has a very similar sounding surname to his first name in Sefer Seferi. Uh, Seferi, you won't know him. You won't actually know him because he's not really for anybody that the wider audience would know of. He's fought Manuel Chao up at heavyweight but the majority of fights that this guy has 
Canada been at cruiserweight and he I think he's like 39 or maybe 40 years old he's I've sort of put this in my mind as uh, an opponent which is is made for Fury to look good against in his comeback and it reminds me of when David Hay came back and he fought Mark Demore and you were like who the hell is Mark Demore I've never heard of this fella before probably never hear of him again and it just kind of feels like maybe they've left it this late to announce the fight because they want to try and sell the tickets based on the fact that it's Fury coming back and if they would have announced the fight and the name you know a few weeks back when they were doing the press conference maybe you know I don't even know if it will still do many tickets but it might have not done as many tickets I mean the undercard of that that show is looking to be pretty decent and we'll be talking about that in upcoming podcasts but you know when you're trying to sell a show on a fight alone you expect an announcement of an opponent and I was always skeptical about the announcement of this opponent and I think I think both of us Coho, we got the take on this you know a couple of weeks back about this particular opponent it was mentioned and I'm not surprised to be honest with you um what what do you what do you make of this announcement do you do you think it's the right thing to do for Tyson Fury's camp at this point and just bringing someone in to sort of seeing how he gets on in the ring? Yeah, I, I know he's been off two and a half years, but Tyson Fury could beat this guy in a sleeper, I presume. He's, he's fighting a 40-year-old cruiserweight, someone who no one's ever heard of. Um, I think Tyson Fury himself said when he came back he'd fight a, tight, uh, a top three, um, a ranked like kind of fighter like in the top three of the world, but we, we knew that wouldn't happen. We knew that wouldn't be the case, but I think he could have, I think Frank Warren and I think Tyson Fury himself would have had a big say in who his opponents would be we've seen Eddie Hearn said that I couldn't give him the money he wanted for the opponents that he wanted to face on his comeback and if this was one of them you can see where Eddie Hearn is coming coming from and it is a return after two and a half years but we probably won't hear of this guy after June 9th again um, he's called a real deal I don't think he is um, I think it's it's one of them that it's a comeback who knows maybe training hasn't gone the way it has maybe shift away maybe they just want to just get back in the ring get back under the lights and, and they don't want the kind of anything to kind of upset the kind of apple cart and that terms but I think there's a lot of opponents out there that maybe would have just given like a lot more of a fight there's guys like Ian Lewis and I can think of guys like Gary Cornish there's just guys out there who maybe won't won't get the win but can just give a lot more of a test than what Safiri is or Nuri Safiri um, I doubt we're going to get much kind of build up with this it's going to be uh, it's just it's just billed as the return of Tyson Fury and I think the undercard is going to save that show that night I think the likes of uh, Sean Tur- Turner and Gorman and we have uh, we have Flanagan as well so Disappointed. I, I, I messaged you the minute I found out, but um, people are trying to bill it as well as only defeat is the Manuel Chair. I kind of go, well, why wasn't Tyson Fury's return against the likes of Manuel Chair? <laughs> exactly. Someone like that who would give a test, but you think that Tyson Fury, with his skill, with the fact that he is the the, the Mac is back, that they want to give the the fans a little bit more to kind of bite into, than not just this kind of forty year old cruiserweight who could be just coming over a payday. Yeah, I'm not expecting a lot out of this. I'm just expecting to really see Tyson Fury. Uh, get a routine win really I mean yeah he's been out for a couple of years and you know you can always sort of say oh, well they might find it difficult to get back to the top and we've kind of seen that with David Hay really and his body's kind of fallen to bits but Tyson Fury's still young enough to kind of come again really and, and I, I think he will eventually go on to these big fights but I don't really think the name that they've put him in with for his first fight back is is, is decent enough the Manuel Char fight yeah that should have been, that was actually a fight that was mooted for Tyson Fury's comeback and that I would have accepted that fight because that would have been a fight against someone who was a former world title challenger who'd been in with the likes of Vladimir Klitschko. Do you know what I mean? Whereas this is just a guy that's been in with a Manuel Char and nobody else so and fought most of his career at Cruiserweight. And I was even reading yesterday on Twitter that some some of them build him in at only five foot nine against a sort of what six foot nine guy 
guy. <laughs> what? That, that, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, it's shocking to see because I think another thing I see him where he's only ranked number three in Albania is another one that I've seen. And the last time I checked, Albania wasn't big boxing country. So who knows what we could be getting. We could, I, I think it's going to be another kind of a blowover. Could it last two or three rounds? Or if Fury wants it to kind of last a few rounds to kind of to show off his skills, but he's not going to get a huge amount of credit coming off two and a half years facing a 40-year-old cruiserweight who could be possibly, as you said, five foot nine. Well, this is what some people are saying on Twitter. I don't know where they're getting their information from, but apparently, yeah, some have built him at five foot nine. Uh, so moving on then, let's go to another piece of information coming out this week that we were talking about Jamie Mungwai's performance and his victory over Saddam Ali. It now looks like his mandatory, which is Liam Smith, is going to be challenging for that world title in California on either the 21st or 28th of July. I think we kind of covered this off a little bit in last week's episode about we think it will be a tough ask for Liam Smith based on what we've seen uh, from Munguia a, a couple of weeks ago. I think I'm struggling to see how Liam Smith would pick up the victory here in this one. I mean, yeah, I know he has been in with the likes of, of Canelo and yeah, he put up a, a valiant performance for as long as he was in there, but I, I honestly can't see Liam Smith picking up the victory in this one, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to say, but it's good to sort of see that we're actually going to get a date quicker than what we were expecting. So I think you touched on it as well. Did you sort of say the same thing as me last week? Yeah, I think we were both in that Munguia looks like he could be somewhat a name that we're going to have to keep an eye on because a 21-year-old who can punch undefeated 29 fights, it's one of them, reminds me of when kind of Canelo Alvarez burst on the scene, this kind of scary young Mexican that, that like can, has power, exciting to watch. So Gleam Smith has, has it all to do and I think he's going to be so disappointed that the injury came. I think he would have had a real chance against uh, Sadam Ali. So um, he's up against it, but who knows, with a quick turnaround, Liam Smith could be could be fit and ready. So, but he'll have to be fit and ready, and he has to be on on his on his A game to to get over Munguia. And I think Munguia is going to be a name that I think we might see him fight another two times this year, and we could he could fight for another title again by the end of the year. He he looks that good. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. And we'll see what happens, and we'll see if that gets confirmed over the next couple of weeks. So the next fight that we wanted to discuss, which has been talked about, and we've been waiting for a, a, an announcement on, is the World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight Final is rumoured to be on the 21st of July. However, there hasn't been any venue confirmed. This is only rumours at this stage. But it's funny that we're, we're hearing this because we were having this conversation last week about the fact that George Groves looks set to be replaced with Eubank and now they're happy to put this Cruiserweight Final back. It just seems, it doesn't make any sense to me at the moment the way they seem to be running these two tournaments. No, not at all because you'd want, we both said that we want to see George Groves and Cam Smith but there's an injury to one of the I think it was Usyk so would you not want why would you not replace him with one of the semi-finalists so I don't want to see Eubank Jr. against Cam Smith I don't want to see I just want to see the semi-final the two semi-finalists who won the semi-finals face off in the finals um, the fact that no date is to no venue has been confirmed I thought it would have been in Jeddah in Saudi Arabia that didn't make much sense to me either I don't, Saudi Arabia doesn't see much boxing country so I hope it doesn't become just a kind of money thing where it kind of just has to be ta- taped off at the end no matter who's in the final so I think there has to be kind of alternatives to just giving it to a beaten semi-finalist like Chris Eubank Jr. doesn't deserve to be in the final anymore 
den um, I can't remember his name now who comes to me for oh, Nicky Hulsk- like, Holskin Nicky Holskin yeah so those kind of those kind of things why why wouldn't you give it to Nicky Holskin are you going that well Cam Smith beat him so I think George Groves should be given the time and I think that the Cruiserweight final if you're going to move that you have to move the uh, the, the, the middleweight the super middleweight one I think it has to go for each series and I, I think people are going to get a bit turned on we have not we have the next season coming up so you want it to all run smooth boxing doesn't run smoothly you're going to get injuries you're going to get things like cuts and things like that so um, you just hope that the, the Sarolins and the people behind it can realise that maybe it needs a little bit of time that these injuries that you have a little kind of a plan in place that if it does need to be pushed back that you have you have something in place that means it can happen not just where no we'll just get it replaced by one of the one of the semi-finalists because the Cruiserweight fight is one of them that could be could be fight of the year um, if both guys turn up and we get the boat, best of both guys and that's what we want yeah no absolutely and, and I hope that's what we get to see eventually but I'm not holding that much hope at the moment <laughs> to be honest with the, the way it's sort of been swapping and changing rumours all the time uh, but there's also a lot of speculation about Callum Johnson and this has happened over the past couple of weeks so it's not really new news but it, it keeps coming out of the woodwork at, at, you know at least once a week that he's been mooted to fight Arta uh, Peterbiev for the IBF light heavyweight title and looking on Callum Johnson's social media it's a fight he, he would love and it's a fight he would love to take and it seems that Anthony Yard turning down the chance to fight uh, Peterbiev has, has given an opportunity for maybe Callum Johnson to step in and I'd give Callum Johnson a puncher's chance against this guy because he's shown in the Book of the Oni fight he can certainly punch hard and it only takes that one big punch to land and we've seen what it did to Book of the Oni could it do the same to Peterbiev we'll hopefully get to see that if it gets made but I'd be really interested uh, to, 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 to keep an eye on that one and seeing if that does eventually get made because if a win for Callum Johnson there would absolutely blow that division wide open as we were talking about earlier on in the podcast with likes of Stevenson and Jack maybe rematching and Kovalev and Bivol you know someone like Callum Johnson just coming onto the scene like that out of seemingly nowhere would really blow the, the division open wide and that may be what we're looking for at this moment in time but going over to you then Cahal about this Callum Johnson potential fight it's been going on for a couple of weeks but do you think something will come of it and, and do you think Johnson would have any chance? Yeah it's been ordered so I presume that there's some truth with it it's just whether the, the money is right for, for both fighters but Paterbiev is, is he's a scary guy 112 fights all by knockout and Callum Johnson who I would love just because of his story and that kind of thing the, the complete turnaround in his career to get even the chance at a world title is huge and Eddie Hearn is saying yeah we want him to take a world title shot where Anthony Yard is saying no I'm not ready so he doesn't do um, Callum favour it's not Callum Johnson it's not going to harm his career if he comes back after defeat because it just means that the likes of the Yard fight is still there for him those kind of fights are there because those are the fights he's going he's taken a couple of steps above where he would have been going next he, he was talking about defending the British title and now he has a shot at the world title against Paterbiev who, who is um, he was a serious puncher a serious operator not a lot of people would know him kind of flows under the radar but you just need someone to get in with him of a name that you do know and if he does a job on them you're going to know the name so I'd love Callum Johnson to go over and do the, do the job and then set the, the light heavyweight division in terms of the British side of things alight. so I hope he gets the fight and I hope he ta- he's more than willing like he wants to take it It's he, I remember speaking with Callum and he said that he goes whatever comes up I'm willing to take once the money's right um, if the opportunity of the world title comes up unless he knew something that we didn't know before that fight that maybe he does get the call so the Buglioni um, win has opened so many doors for him so it just shows what one what one win can do for you so I'd like to see the Viterbia fight I think he'd be really up against it a massive massive underdog but you'd love to see him do it as you said he has a puncher's chance he only needs to land one on the button and, he, and he's world champion but that, that's that's kind of fairy tale stuff if you, if you think boxing was that easy so it would be it'd be a tough 
one. I'm sure he'd have to travel probably over to over to Canada. I think is where Baturbia bases himself. So it'd be interesting. Um, as long as it lasts, I think is, is all I can say. And there's one piece of news that's been coming out uh, a couple as a couple of hours ago that uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. will return on either the fourth of August or the eleventh. Uh, 168 Super Middleweight Division and potentially sign with Eddie Hearn. And the mooted opponents are either Sergio Mora, uh, Gabriel Rosado, who you've seen fought Martin Murray about 12 to 18 months ago, and then finally uh, Triple G's former opponent in Vane's Martician. So that's, that's interesting that um, Chavez Jr. is looking to potentially sign with Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn's starting to get them names and them ticket sellers over in America, and we're already looking at potential fights for Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. He's, uh, he's someone I kind of feel hasn't really lived up to the name of the legacy uh, and that's always the problem with carrying a family name like that is you, you're always going to be sort of compared to, to your father before you and um, Julio Cesar Chavez whilst he has been in some cracking fights I don't really feel he's lived up to the expectations a lot of it's because of his own doing really because he's not had a great life outside of the ring he doesn't always live the life of a fighter and I think that's probably the biggest problem he has but interesting to see Eddie Hearn there trying to sign names already and names that we know for a fact would sell tickets yeah because he's trying to build the money they have behind him now is is so big that he can he can throw money at this kind of thing he can he can get guys like Julio Chavez you know I don't know what he thinks he could do with him in terms of where it's going to go but Eddie Hearn can he could sell sand to an Arab like that kind of thing he can do he can sell these fights and you probably would want to see Chavez Jr. and he hasn't lived up to it he's, he has a lot of fights under his belt and he hasn't lived up to it I think the, the Alvarez fight was I don't think he won around it was a complete mismatch and I think the fact that he hasn't lived a life away from the ring has kind of caught up with him and a lot of people kind of don't really rate him now anymore and it kind of he goes against the kind of name that he does have where he never lived up to the legacy so when you hear the guys like Roberto Duran saying that he wants to carve his own thing out but you also have to honour the honor the, the name as well because of what they did do before so who knows what Eddie Hearn can do if they can get the right fights it's going to sell tickets the name is the name itself is, is a, such a famous name but we've heard Eddie Hearn linked with Mikey Garcia as well so I think he's he's making waves over there and if you can sign up a few fighters everyone's going to want to watch especially from here and people are going to take notice especially over in the States and I'll leave it over to you now have you got any other news and gossip for this week or is it is, it, is that a wrap for news and gossip no I think it's a wrap for news and gossip I am um, the, the Tyson Fury one you could probably do a few episodes on of his return and it's it's disappointed and just in a way that it is such a kind of no mark opponent but it, that that's boxing for you I think people are a little bit disappointed about the return because so much was promised yeah absolutely well really then uh, all I want to do is give a quick shout out to a, a gentleman who left us a, a fantastic iTunes review I went on there and I sent it to you on WhatsApp and I was um, I was just looking through by chance uh, that I, I thought I'm going to have a look on iTunes just see you know if there's been any reviews on there recently and actually we got a great one and it says I'll read it out on the podcast it says uh, England is producing so many excellent podcasts and this podcast is outstanding in capitals I I really glad I found this podcast thank you so much for making my day and keeping me company when I'm out hiking in the mountains you are amazing from Mike Hills in Glenwood Springs Colorado pretty pleased with that one actually you know I wasn't expecting that it was a pleasant surprise to see that type of review on there and for people that are listening to the podcast this is exactly the type of feedback we're looking for we want to know whether what we're doing on this show is is what you guys like listening to and if it isn't then let us know because we're happy to try and make this show as as, as best as possible really I mean me and Cole, we've both said it on every episode that we love doing this every week and we love bringing it to people and we love 
the fact that people are actually listening to it and we're really happy to be getting all the types of fighters that we have on the show so it's really great to see that type of feedback coming back through and starting to seep through now and it's uh it's you know given the fact that there is a lot of other podcasts out there and a lot of other podcasts are doing really well and you know we're we're really starting to feel like you know this is starting to come together so if you guys out there like mike hills from glenwood springs give us a review please take five minutes out of your day to go on and just drop that review in there for us it massively helps it gives us better exposure and it also helps in our journey to being able to get the best fighters on this show because we love contacting these fighters and we love speaking to them about their careers and getting them on this show for you guys to listen to because it's not just your run-of-the-mill interview that you could get through all different media outlets it's us guys speaking to them asking them different types of questions getting their take on different things and bringing you different varieties of stuff so thank you very much obviously to mike hills and to all the rest of the listeners that are listening to us every single week and the guys that are there sharing it for us and retweeting it reposting it we really really appreciate all your guys support in this Cahal, last word over to you before we wrap this one up yeah no just i, I second everything you said um sean we do love doing this every week and at the end of the day boxing sport that we both love and being able to talk about it but to hear nice things like um to hear nice things like that comment and things like that and then we can do to kind of if there was things you wanted to change or things you wanted to add in we're not gonna we're not gonna take offense we'd be more than willing to to kind of kind of facilitate any request because at the end of the day we do this because we want people to listen to it and enjoy listening to it because we want people to listen to this who love boxing we do and I, like we weekends gone by where you watched um, Josh Warrington achieve his dreams is that kind of thing is boxing is such a such a brilliant sport and so many people love it so anything we can add to the show or any anyone that you want to pass the show on to me and Sean are only just going to appreciate it and find it kind of as a, it's such a nice thing to read about people saying that kind of thing about what we do and, and being able to do episodes that people appreciate and maybe make a part of their day which I think is always such a nice thing to hear absolutely you couldn't have said it better myself there Carl uh, so guys thank you as always please you know where to find us it's at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast on Facebook and you can find this podcast through most of the podcasting apps these days you can find us on Spotify Stitcher Castbox we've got YouTube even we do have an episode that goes up on YouTube every week so if you want to listen to it on there by all means listen to it on there but please wherever you listen to it through please try and leave us that review and please give it a share across social media because it's massively appreciated it massively helps and final word from me is thank you very much and we'll see you next week Sports Social Podcast Network It is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.